man. May I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Go. The following is a world-class bullshitters exclusive. Good morning, pop culture. We are live. It is Monday, January 17th, 2022. It's 7.57 a.m. and it's time to start everyone's favorite morning show that you've missed so, so, so much. So folks, here we are. Good morning, pop culture is back. This is the West Coast edition. It's still 7.50, like I said. It's early, but uh, it's a little later than normal. But we have a lot of topics to cover. We're going to talk about the G4 stuff, the book of Boba Fett. I'm here to hang out with you guys. I'm going to promote Wokebusters. As you can see, we got some more art back. I drew this. I got it colored by the wonderful David Ocampo. So it's been an exciting couple of days. Plus, I watched football all weekend. Very rare for a guy like me. But hey, Cincinnati's going to go even further now. So I'm on board. To be fair, I watched last season. And uh, the only reason I'm really cheering is because I kind of miss home. But I digress. So, folks, let's see who's here this morning. We have Dr. Coffinales, who's been caught off guard. Jonathan Hurst, who's one of the MVPs of GMPC. We have Cesario Japan. Thank you very much for being an awesome mod. Uh, let's see. We have G Baka BST, who says, good morning. TR is excited. Hello, Breadman Productions. I think I already said that. Clone Geek, what is up? We also have uh, Kurama Uzumaki. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Dookie12, Callum Guano. And Terry H as well. So, oh, Joseph Bianwich is here too. Cannot not say hi to him. Hello, Lord Three, Girthy Guitarist. I gotta say hi to everybody. Hi, David Moore. Yes, we're back. Uh, where is, let's see, did I forget anyone? The Physics Channel with Kenny Lee. Hello, Kenny Lee. Um, I'll have to check out your channel. What up, Drunk Banana? Uh, good morning, Nigel. Hello to Buck Nasty. All right, 1138, one, Star Wars fan. John42, hello. Good morning, Ayadama. Cesario Japan says, GMPC crew rises again. Yes, yes, the GMPC crew is here rather quickly. Now, folks, the way this will work is I will do this show. I will upload it to the podcast feed, and then it will go over to the Good Morning Pop Culture channel as well. Uh, real talk, and I hate to use that phrase, but it seems to cut through any uh, questions quickly. But if I were to leave all these episodes up on the main channel, it does hurt the algorithm. Like I have told the story before, uh, in 2018, when we were growing like crazy, we did this show exclusively and we froze for a while. So to avoid that, uh, what I'm going to do is just put it on its own monetized channel. So Good Morning Pop Culture can live there. And I'm going to try to work out to do more of these because a lot of people want them and I like to do them as well. Uh, it's, it's nice. It's a relaxing show. Tuesday's show, you got to fight to get a word in sometimes. Thursday's show... I'm laughing too much to even know what I'm doing half the time. But this show, I can uh, drink some coffee, hang out uh, with the people who are working and lurking. But today, I think, is Martin Luther King Day, so I don't know how many people are working. If you're a federal employee, you got the day off. You deserve it. I really don't have much to add to that one. <laughs> but uh, good morning to everybody. Uh, good morning. Wilson, there you are. What's up? Uh, hello, Justin. I'm glad to have you back. Jeff the Iron Wolf, there you are. What's up? Jeff the Iron Wolf, folks, is a cool dude. Uh, he's been on the channel before. He's a vet. 
uh, loves to talk about Star Wars. Cool dude. So I will have to have Jeff on again. Um, I did want to do the veteran stream, but the last couple of months have been crazy. And then honestly, right after um, the campaign dropped, found out my aunt was sick right before I was going home for cancer, or right before I was going home for Christmas, found out she had lung cancer right around Christmas, spent the holiday with her in the hospital, wanted to go back and see her again, didn't have the opportunity to, got home, and now she's dead. So I know that's a really harsh way to say it, but it's been rough. Uh, next to my mom, this is my the person that means so much to me. So things have been a little slow here, but uh, you know, it took a couple of days to get through that, and now working back through it. So folks, I'm excited to share everything with you guys, to talk about everything G4. This situation reminds me why we can't have nice things. Uh, Joseph Bianowicz says, back woke busters, hail to all Jeff, more coffee. Oh, all right, you need more coffee. I need more coffee. I need to amp this shit up. Let's do this. Um, back in the day, good morning, pop culture, I used to go out and get myself uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee because I didn't, well, I had Dunkin' Donuts, and I also had that Keurig under the desk. I don't know if anyone could uh, ever hear that go off, but now I got a French press. That was a, a gift, so it was a good gift, too. Ah, uh, Immortal Coil says, good morning, pop culture. Good morning, Immortal Coil. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent in your super chat so far. Ah, Etepicoy's Place to Be Reviewed says, welcome back, GMPC, listening while I record. Folks, I need a favor from all of you right now, and we could actually make this happen. So we have 83 people watching already. Awesome. We're just getting started. But Etepa Queen's Place to Be Reviews channel is almost at 1,000 subs. He, he needs, what, 50, I think. So we used to love here in this community to help people get over the numbers and help reach goals and stuff like that. So that's a goal for 2022 to help people here on YouTube. And folks, uh, Pete, you're in the chat. Do me a favor. Drop the link to your uh, channel. Folks, check out Etepa Queen's Place to Be Reviews. I've been on the channel multiple times. Pete's a good friend of the channel and just a cool dude. Uh, he was hanging out with us this summer, the, G, uh, the WCBS crew, uh, up at Coach Loudy's wedding. For those who don't know, in July, one of my best friends got married. I was in the wedding, and he invited Nick, Dion, Kendo, and Pete from Etepa Queen's Place to Be Reviews. And uh, we had a really fun weekend. It was weird because it was the... The three guys from the show, Jesse and Pete and his wife, and they were like all hanging out doing all this fun stuff. And I'm standing up there in a tuxedo, you know, honored that my friend wants me to share in this special day with them. But I want to hang out in the back of church and they're all having fun. That was a good day, but I digress. So um, what do we got going on this morning? So much stuff. TR, thank you very much. Um, it was a rough one. That's There's really no way to work around that one. Uh, David Moore, I actually do use Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the French press. Uh, Jesse bought me the French press. My mom sent me a bunch of coffee, so it is actually a good way to do it. Uh, Clone Geek asks, fuck, Mary kill, Spider-Man edition, Gwen Stacy, MJ, Black Cat. This is incredibly difficult because I actually read Spider-Man, so I know like the good and the bad of these characters. If she doesn't die, I'm going to marry Gwen Stacy because she's very wholesome and cute and kind of boring, pendable. Like, she's a hot, you know, housewife. There you go. Whatever. Uh, MJ. I guess I'll bang her, but I don't want to kill the black cat because the black cat's cool and I don't want to kill anybody, really. Can I just bang them all? There's the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Pete, that was a great wedding. It was a really great wedding. Uh, I loved it. 
So folks, let's start talking about all sorts of awesome stuff. This is Good Morning Pop Culture. We have pop culture to talk about. So the coolest part about pop culture is that I get to create it now. So I wanted to share this with you. I am very excited to get to work with other comic book professionals. A man named David Ocampo is the colorist. And I sent him the cover for Wokebusters with uh, the guys, the first cover featuring the actual Wokebusters. And I got this back. And this just made my day. This made my whole weekend. Like, yeah, it's great the Bengals won. Yeah, things are getting a little better. But this was the highlight of my weekend. Uh, this is awesome. This is the action cover for Wokebusters, which is the newest comic from WCBS Comics, name pending. But it features us in a paranormal parody where we take down wokeness, political correctness, SJWs, anything. Um, it's pretty much everyone's fair game. There's a lot of, it's, I mean, look, it's a comedy. It's an action comedy. The Wokebusters do show up at college campuses. They show up to save them some Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, there's a protest during the climax. So uh, the comedy, it's just very, very modern. It's very, very um, poignant. And it's, at times it's mean, it's biting. It's, I don't pull punches, but I punch everybody equally, if that makes sense. So this is the cover right here. It features all of us. Uh, I'm in the front, blasted through the wall. We got Dion. Kendo is Egon and Nick. Uh, he's the reluctant woke buster. Actually, Nick is our tech guy. So he builds our, our wands. We have a secondary wand that we use a little later for the river of woke towards the climax of the story. But this has been shared right now and uh, everyone seems to love it. I love it. It's a great piece of art. Uh, David Ocampo, if you're listening, thank you very much for being an awesome, excellent professional that I love working with. David did the High Council cover of the Phantom Menace edition of Stealing Solo, the one that features Ethan, Jeremy, and myself, and Cecil as well. Uh, those colors are awesome. And I sent him the line art last time, and I said, can you just make it epic? And that's what I got back. And this time, I sent a little more direction, and I got this back. So, uh, folks, David Ocampo, excellent artist. Uh, check him out on Instagram. I believe he's on Twitter. I don't know if I tagged the correct person, but... Uh, he was a former Marvel, D Marvel and DC colorist, uh, excellent professional, and has done work here in Comicsgate. So uh, David's awesome, and you know I did a pretty good job too. I'm very proud of the the work uh, featuring the Woke Busters, and this is available right now. Now, folks, we're working on a couple other things. I have reached out to another artist, and I'm getting a sexy Gozer cover made. So that'll be ready in a couple of days towards the end of this thing, but. Let's get these. Uh, let's get the campaign rolling. We finally unlocked our first magnet. I'll be sharing that a little later. It'll be Wokebuster Jeff as uh, your first free magnet. So, folks, every time you back the campaign, um, you get all of the bonus perks. So, right now, you're going to get the book, whatever you choose, as well as your magnet of Wokebusters Jeff. But it doesn't have to stop there, and it won't stop there. We have plenty of time, and people are getting excited. But do it now so you don't forget. But you can unlock all sorts of things like um, a Wokebuster sticker, which is our basic goal, which we'll, we'll hit. Then that gets upgraded at 30K to a glow-in-the-dark sticker. 40K, you get bonus trading card with all the Wokebusters on it. Now, you can get the 10-pack, which is going to feature, you know, each of us, our Janine, the Stay Woke Trigglypuff ma'am, the car, the... Um, we have a headquarters. We work out of an old brewery, and we contain some of the woke ghosts or whatever you want. I actually call them triggered beasts. Uh, they get contained in our, our unit. So we have all of that stuff rolling back at the uh, Wokebusters headquarters. Now, at 50K, the standard cover, which is the logo, becomes a metallic cover because we're going to class it up. We're going to make it just like the old Batman 89 logo, shiny and all. Um, at 75K, we get the character sticker set. Everyone will get uh, five stickers of Wokebuster characters, and that art... Uh, 
you haven't even seen that one yet. And at 100K, we have the song, which we have the tools, we have the talent, we know the people. Let's make it happen. And finally, at 105, small jump, big reward. We'll have bonus pages, tales from the Wokebusters, backup stories. Now, the nice thing, folks, about Wokebusters is it's a forever type of property. What it is is it's everything's going to be crazy, woke, politically correct, and shit for you know the time being. And the Wokebusters are always going to be here to make fun of it. So think of this as their initial outing. Uh, they might pop up in other uh, other facets near the you know in the future. Uh, I do have a couple opportunities that I get to explore, so be on the lookout for all of those. But I just wanted to share this with everybody. I'm super excited. Uh, the cover turned out great. Uh, shout out to David Ocampo. I don't really believe in going, hey, I did a great job, everybody. Yay me. But I'm proud of it. I've been sharing the black and white line art. I've been sharing that. And I'm going to continue to share more. Wokebusters is the best comic you've never read. So, folks, make sure you go out and back that right now. So I'm looking up The Book of Boba Fett. And The Book of Boba Fett is a show that I haven't watched yet. I know I'm supposed to watch it. I know I'm supposed to care. And everybody has finally seemed to give up on this show. Well, not everybody. Now, whoa. Forbes wants me to subscribe to their website. I'm not subscribing to Forbes. That sucks, man. That's going to really kill a lot of our... Uh, Actually, no, I'll just I'll read it on my phone. Anyway, though, the book of Boba Fett is not doing too hot. What's the story this morning? Let's pull up a picture of Boba Fett. And uh, do we want real Boba Fett? Yeah, let's put up real Boba Fett. I mean, I know people like Tamara Morrison. I respect him as an actor, but God damn, he is not my favorite Boba Fett. I'll just use Return of the Jedi Boba Fett. I don't know the stuntman's name. I don't know what was going on, but this is the last time Boba Fett was cool. So Boba Fett finally has his own TV show, which he stars in, The Book of Boba Fett. It is a bizarre idea. Now hear me out for a second. The reason I say it's a bizarre idea, we are riding the high of The Mandalorian, which is essentially a Boba Fett TV show in name only. Bounty hunter with a T-shaped visor, jetpack, certain code of honor, quiet, uh, loner, Oh, he finds something cute, has a little sidekick here and there. Like the reason why I haven't jumped into the book of Boba Fett is because I can't think of a reason why it's different from the Mandalorian and why I should care because at its best the Mandalorian is the best Disney star Wars we've gotten yet. Uh, should I have it yet in there? Cause I don't know how it's going to go from here on out, but as it stands, that is it. I don't like rogue one as much as other people. I used to, I still think it's about a seven out of 10 of a film. It lives and dies by its star Warsy moments. Uh, Poe Dameron and the, oh, that's not Poe Dameron, um, God, what's his name? Oscar, no, hold on. Diego Luna's character. Fuck, Rogue One. D2 Moment. I can't think of it. Anyway, Diego Luna's character. He sucks. Did you really care enough about him? Like, are you really going to care enough when he gets his own TV show? You know the answer. If Boba Fett, probably the top, in top five Star Wars characters in terms of popularity, because it's got to be Luke and Vader, Han, because it's Harrison Ford. Yoda, and then Boba Fett. I'd say Boba Fett outranks Princess Leia and Chewbacca in terms of popularity. Realistically, Han and Luke, or not Han and Luke, Luke and Vader, because they're the, they're the saga. That's it, hands down. Leia's great too, but she is not Han. She is not Luke. She's not Darth Vader. But Boba Fett should have had the biggest movie, the biggest show, the best toy line. It should have been everything. It should have been Boba Fett, you know, fighting monsters, creature of the week, 
call back to this, throw in a little Star Trek reference or Star Wars reference here and there, all kinds of fun stuff. It was supposed to be that. And that's what the Mandalorian is. And apparently the book of Boba Fett is a boring slog that people don't like and want to fail miserably. So Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett is plummeting on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. Uh, Disney and Lucasfilm have another Star Wars disaster on their hands as fans are rejecting the book of Boba Fett, which is apparently by the fact by the fact that the ratings are plummeting on both Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. The book of Boba Fett's audience score on Rotten Tomatoes continues to drop as, the, as it stands at a low 67%, which is fast approaching the rotten mark. For comparison, The Mandalorian has an audience score of 91. That's a huge difference. And that's what's alarming as the two shows share the same creative and production teams, I believe, so much Favreau and Filoni. This is the article. Last week, Book of Boba Fett had an audience score of 75%, but following Chapter 3, we see it has dropped almost 10 points. We see that Disney shill media is back at it again as Rotten Tomatoes' critic score has inevitably gone up as opposed to what man, most fans think of. Regarding IMDb as a user, sorry, regarding IMDb, as a user on Twitter points out, the Book of Boba Fett Chapter 3 has the lowest IMDb rating from users at 6.3, which is the lowest rating between any episode of Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Um, people just don't like this. I guess I got to get in on it, too, so I can uh, hear what people have to say. Dion, there you are in the chat. He says it's a copy and paste format, baby. Yeah, um, you're watching it, I think. Nick has a review of Peacemaker, which will be putting out uh, today on Patreon and a little later in the week uh, elsewhere. But we're watching the streaming shows right now. Uh, you would think at the point in time where we have this excess of genre entertainment that we would be so thankful. And I know producers and the people that holds the right, hold the rights and the people who make this want to say that the fans are ungrateful or bad or stupid or sexist or racist, blah, 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 rinse and repeat. But your show's bad, and you should feel bad. Let's see uh, what everyone in the chat said. Uh, Cassie and Andor, thank you. Go Big Boar, go home as well as Jeff the Iron Wolf. Um, hmm. Let's see. Where are we at, uh, everyone else? Um uh, what up, Klaus Doric? Hopefully you're still here. Uh, we didn't miss you on your break. Good morning, and uh, welcome back to Good Morning Pop Culture. So I, I feel like a lot of you guys aren't in love with the uh, the book of Boba Fett. Now, what could they have done to make this better? Obviously not make it is a good answer, but if we have to take it a little deeper, what would be a good um, a good way to fix this show or what to do? Boba Fett as a lone wolf would have been more appealing. Him having a sidekick, what's his name, Fennec Sean or something like that. It's a little weird. Boba Fett's always just been that dude. He was always that smart, capable bounty hunter that didn't need anyone. Now, does she exist because he can't have an inner monologue? Why couldn't the book of Boba Fett be structured narratively as flashback, where it's Boba Fett's journal and he just does bounty hunter stuff? See, trying to tie everything in together into this one big narrative is a problem that Star Wars has created itself before Disney. But at the same time, they did know how to tell isolated stories and not try to tie everything together at once. Uh, the way Disney might have done it in the past, or sorry, the way they've done it in the past would have been like, uh, oh, we're going to tell this story in this book. Cool, and it ties these things together. But you can still watch these things and it doesn't really step on the toes. I feel like Book of Boba Fett crosses over, steps on the toes, and really just creates a weird, murky area of 
how you can demarcate what show is what. I mean, fuck. I know I said it again, but you if you know all those people that are great with CGI, you know the people that um, do the special effects here on YouTube. I would like if one of them were to just dedicate themselves to CGI in the Mandalorian into a Book of Boba Fett episode and vice versa and see if we notice. I don't think we will. Uh, action figure expert, what is up? Good morning. All is well here. And I will say hi to my mom for you. <laughs> uh, Retro Amateur says Moss Espa, more like Moss Vespa. But I'm... I want to laugh and go, oh, that's such a bad joke, but the actual episode is just as dumb. So, actually, I like that joke. Because you put space Vespas in Star Wars. Why? Like, last week, everyone seemed to be riding high on that uh, Blackford Wookiee. Everyone was like, oh, it's so cool. He's great. I can't wait to get his action figure. And this week, it's the Vespas. Now, maybe Danny Trejo will become the hero of the show and save everything. Who knows? Disney knows. They are literally space Vespas, yeah. It, I've watched the clips. I've seen the pictures. I do design work. You have to intentionally design those to look that way. I wonder if Favreau just kind of rolled his eyes and went, okay, fine. Because... Everyone had to approve of this stuff. The creative team allowed this. Filoni, Favreau, like they say in the article. It's, I'm not, you know, here to throw in the towel on John Favreau. Dave Filoni's never been my favorite. Uh, I don't, I, I respect what he's created, but at the same time, you got to know when to let your creation go. Ahsoka Tano has been so overused, changed, this, that, and the other. I've lost interest. I liked it better. When she was on the cartoon, she was betrayed by the Jedi or whatever, or felt betrayed and walked away. And then you kind of think you, and then you know at some point that Anakin kills her or should have killed her. That's what really pisses me off about Ahsoka Tano. You take away the tragedy. Disney wants to make everything in Star Wars bright and chipper. When in reality, the only thing bright and chipper about Star Wars is the ending of the first and third movie. That throne room scene and the the celebration in Return of the Jedi are the only real bright and chipper moments because even through the Battle of Endor, we stop to watch Ewoks get attacked and killed. We see rebel troopers die. And during the battles, we see our heroes go down in flames. I mean, fuck, there's even the suicide guy, the comic. Well, he wasn't really a kamikaze, but the A-Wing pilot that lost control of his ship and crashed into the, the deck of the executor and, you know, killed the whole thing. We don't show that anymore. The characters just kind of, everyone's all happy and cool and no one has to suffer any hardships. For example, Ray. Where the fuck was Ray's amputation or where was her hardship? Her Like Luke lost a hand, Anakin lost an arm, then an arm and a leg or both legs, excuse me. Do I need to watch the Skywalkers cut up for parallel, uh, sorry, for symmetry? I kind of do. I kind of don't respect a character that doesn't face adversity. I don't I don't respect Ray, and most people don't either. That's why you can go and watch our toy videos where I've discovered a mountain of Ray figures. Because, well, let's put it like this. The people online bitched and moaned and complained. We don't have Ray figures. We don't have female representation. We don't have any of the things we want. They didn't go out and look. Ray was a part of the toy line since day one. Well, since the day the Force Awakens toys dropped, her ass was in the fucking figure wave. She was in the three and three quarter inch and the six inch and those stupid shampoo bottle 12 inch figures. Ray has always been there. But we acted like we didn't. 
and we had to turn it around and change and basically kowtow to the people who don't like Star Wars. And that's why we are where we are with all of these things. Star Wars sold its identity. It didn't lose it. It sold it. It sold it. It sold its soul. Uh, when Lucas sold it to Disney, it changed. Things got worse behind the scenes. And I think collectors understood it. I know I understood it. That was the first Disney. Um, that's the first time you felt the bite of Disney on Star Wars. When there was the change in the licensing agreement where they turned the screws and basically Hasbro had to pay more for the Star Wars license, but they couldn't really afford, well, they could afford to, but what they did is they screwed us, the consumer, over by making a lesser quality toy. All of that comes from trying to get Star Wars into the hands of people who don't like Star Wars. Now, I understand as a businessman, as a creative, what you need to do. You want to grow your audience. You want to get as many eyes on your product, but you don't change it. For example, Wokebusters, let's say it gets 20,000 backers. Am I going to all of a sudden change it so I don't offend somebody? No, it's the same product no matter how many people buy it. That's how Star Wars should have been. It should have stayed the same Star Wars no matter what you're trying to do. It's a, an established formula. It works. It's the greatest of all time. Why change it? Because Kathleen Kennedy's a fucking idiot. Uh, her idea of making Star Wars more attractive to women was a bad one. It Can somebody here tell me a positive from making Disney Star Wars into what it is? I'll wait. I will definitely wait. Uh, Adam Walford, thank you very much for your generous super chat. Adam says, Boba Fett and Han Solo were the alone gunslingers that worked in different ways. I think Han is John Wayne and Boba Fett is Clint Eastwood and a few dollars more. Star Wars is a universe that's lived in. Yes, it is a universe that's lived in. And you are right about Boba Fett is Clint Eastwood. I'm pretty sure they like put jingling spurs as he walks in Empire Strikes Back. Like That sound effect is like a, a hidden Easter egg that not a lot of people know about. Star Wars is a space Western, a Western, if you will. Westerns are cool. I said it. I enjoy them. You know, the Dollars Trilogy and all the stuff that I've seen. I haven't seen every Western. I'm still behind on some. I haven't seen a lot of the Roy Rogers ones. Thank you, Die Hard. But that's the identity of Star Wars, taking away its space Western. And really, any kind of aggrandization of a brand hurts it. I don't like when you get one of these companies come in and talk about, you know, this and that and the cultural fabric of our lives. It's like, yeah, it's all important, but you're overdoing it. You're taking away what it actually is. And that's what's happening too when, well, Westerns aren't cool or trendy or they're too white or something like that. And so they try to make it more universal and a more culturally appealing story. And it's like, that's not Star Wars. Star Wars is a weird Western interpretation of certain Eastern philosophies, Eastern films, worldwide views, all put in a nice, delicious package called Star Wars. Now it's what, it, honestly, what it is, is it's, this is what business looks like at a certain level where it's kind of like, it's big, it's broad, but you don't really know what's happening. Like, you, you know, the big big scale stuff but on the smaller level you're like what the fuck is going on how does it how do these things happen and i've wondered for a while what the point is with these shows because they like to tell us it's to you know to broaden the market or this or that but at certain at a certain point some of these decisions some of these shows some of these things feel very um pointed mean and just damning for everyone involved and I don't like that they took our favorite thing 
and they turned it into an experiment. They have a bunch of weirdos running it. Like the people that run Star Wars suck. The people that run the Star Wars toy line suck. There, there's a weird crossover. Like the people that run the Star Wars toy line look like the people in the the Lucasfilm Story Group. The whatever crazy SJW people, those who hate you know, the narrative structure or the traditional family or this or that, just a bunch of misanthropic people who can't get laid. Really, there's a point in Wokebusters that talks about some of these people that just need to really chill the fuck out. Because at the end of the day, people just need to pull their heads out of their asses and we could fix all of this woke stuff. We could fix everything. The world's, put it like this, the world's not scarred, the world's bruised. Bruises heal, scars don't. They have a great story that go with them, but there's a lot of bruising going on. If people could just pull their heads out of their asses, we can let we can put some ice on that bruise and move on. But a lot of people don't want that, so they fight and they come up with this crazier shit, or they turn Star Wars into weaponized attacks. It's it's dumb, but it's real. Um, go go, Boba Rangers. Thank you very much, um, Cosmic Vader, for that. Now I kind of want to watch a any video editors out there want to piece together a Power Rangers trailer. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking for a really talented video editor. If anyone's out there that knows some people um, to throw some special effects and minimal animation on a Wokebusters trailer for me, um, you know, I would love to talk to people. So let me know. Hyperion says the mental gymnastics some Star Wars fans go to uh, to defend this awesome awful show is unbelievable. I that bothers me when fans want to make excuses for bad stuff, but it's always been a part of fandom. It's always been a part of what we've done. You know, for every guy that hates Spider-Man three, you'll meet a contrarian at your local store. Oh, it's the best of the three. That's always, excuse me. That's always been a part of geek culture, but the social media influx or influence, if you will, the mental gymnastics only problem. When I have a problem with them is when it's a journalist or somebody who presents themselves as a writer, a website, a bigger business. They want to use the business to defend the ideologies of the critique. And, well, it's kind of dumb that you want to, like, if somebody wants to defend a show because they like a character and they think other people don't get it, fine. Like, I have a close friend who loved the new Matrix movie, told me all about it, and convinced me to want to at least check it out. I'm not on board with any of the messaging. I'm not on board with any of the shit. I, I roll my eyes when you talk about the Matrix being an allegory for this, that, and the other. Um, I don't even think the people making the movie knew what was going on with themselves, the film, this and that. But, um, you know, you get these people that want to defend Star Wars because it has the right amount of minorities in it. Like, I'll never forget, right after The Last Jedi came out, I debated a guy here on, on the channel um, writer junkies podcast. That's who it was. I got to get in contact with writer junkie. That dude's awesome. Um, but he had me on a debate and I, we did the, you know, I debated somebody over the last Jedi and the other person wanted to debate that it was a good film because it was diverse and that makes a movie good. And that crazy mentality of convincing yourself that because there are a lot of Brown people or minorities in your book or story or this and that, it's going to be good. You know, it's not. It just, it has to be good on top of that. Like, for example, back to us, Wokebusters, there's one white guy in the crew. Our stories aren't about skin color, not about what makes us different. It's about four guys who are like, look, the world's messed up. We understand that everybody, anything in this woke shit, it affects everybody the same. It, what's a positive outcome from this? 
There isn't. If you want to take it on a, a deeper level, um, people just roll their eyes at this stuff and people become less accepting. They're like, oh God, this shit again. I'm so tired of being beaten over the head by this on the news or this on social media. Really, the people that want to defend the book of Boba Fett or the news or shit like that, the people that push their causes so obnoxiously on those who don't believe in the same way or believe at all, like those are the people that hurt their cause the most. Uh, I wish their Vespas would combine and I wish the space Vespas would make a, a Spegazord. Could you imagine Boba Fett? Okay. So he calls in Slave One because these Vespas have formed some sort of robot. And so Slave One, and I'm going to call it that until the day I die, uh, flies in and becomes a Transformer. And then they blow the rest of the season's budget on a kaiju fight between the Slave One in its transformed mode versus the five Space Vespas or Spespas. Now, if there's not that, if there's not enough money in the budget for that, I will concede. How about the Space Vespas combine and then Ripley in her power loader suit from Aliens appears and fights them? You, you, you actually can just splice together, get away from her, you bitch, and then have those explode, and I'm, I'm happy. Bombshoes, thank you very much. Says, I was always going to wait for the, ba uh, the bangy book of Boba Fett, and I know I'm not alone, so I wonder how much of that plays a factor into the crap ratings. I was talking to Anna, that Star Wars girl, on Friday. Uh, we were business stuff, but we got into talking Star Wars, as always. And her plan is to watch it and review it later and do paintings and stuff. I have thought about binge watching it that way or waiting till the end. I, if I never see the book of Boba Fett, I can be, I can sleep at night. You know, I never finished Star Wars Visions and I liked what I saw. I, you know what it is for me. And I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat. You gotta know what's coming next from your favorite franchise. Now you don't have to know verbatim what the next script is gonna be or exactly what the next story is, but you gotta have an open-ended level of hope. For example, Spider-Man No Way Home. Good movie. I really, really, really enjoyed that film. Is it the best Spider-Man film? Fuck no. Two, one, they're better. But I really enjoyed this film. Now, the reason I'm riding the Spider-Man train so hard isn't because I wanna get in with everybody and get brownie points or something. No. My favorite superhero finally has an optimistic open ending. Like, where's Spider-Man going to go? Anywhere. They fixed his suit. They fixed his universe. They fixed everything. And the future is bright. With Star Wars, it's like, what's next? Well, they're dead. Um, I don't care about the characters who lived. You didn't really explain enough of the universe and how it got here to this point for me to want to know more. You're trying to tell me these backup stories through ancillary material. Like, you're just not really inspiring hope. And, I, and I'm not trying to be funny like the quote from Rogue One, but you got to just have something to look forward to. That's why a lot of people have tapped out with Endgame, because that shit's over. For as much as you want people to go back and watch the narrative structure of Captain Marvel 2 and Shang-Chi and the Eternals and all of this stuff, like, they just, they don't have a direction. Only Spider-Man had a direction, and that's why it you know, was so successful. And if Star Wars had more of a direction, I firmly believe that it would do better. Because I would know what to look forward to. I don't need a crossover mega event. I don't need to know that I'm having 25 crossovers. I just need to know that they know what they're doing. And they don't, because they cancel stuff left and right. They announce shows left and right. Oh, Star Wars, The Acolyte, Leslie Headland. Who the fuck is Leslie Headland? We spent so much time talking about that woman, and then nothing's coming to fruition. She's just some nobody behind the scenes at Lucasfilm. 
awesome, but her show ain't getting made. Like none of these things happen. They keep telling us, you guys are going to get this. Get excited for that. Check this out. Look, I will get excited when I see that Ryan Johnson trilogy. Said no one ever. I need a drink. So, Bomb Shoes, thank you very much for your super chat. Now you got me wanting to go play Smash Brothers. Honestly, when I would tell you in the past, like, hey, I played Smash Brothers and had a Bomb Shoe hit, and then you would message us the next day, uh, now if I play the game and don't get a Bomb Shoe, I'll jinx myself. Ask me later. But thank you, Bomb Shoes. Reboot Mania, what is up? Reboot Mania, Mania says, do you think Disney will make a toy for the Book of Boba Fett Rancor after it worked, <laughs> worked out so well last time? Um, for those who do not know, folks, there was a crowdfunder for Star Wars over on HasLab. Hasbro is the company who, own, who licensed Star Wars from Disney. They hold the master toy license. And so they have, have, a, they have had a platform called HasLab where they crowdfund toys. And I have partaken in one now. There was the Jabba the Hutt sail barge, the Katana, which looked awesome. And I regret not buying that one. Uh, but it was around The Last Jedi and I was angry with Star Wars, but it's cool. Then there was the Razor Crest from Star Wars. Again, awesome toy. Three and three quarter inch scale, just like the Katana. You get the Mandalorian. You get, I think, a Baby Yoda. You get the Carbonite slabs with the creatures. You get the gun. It's like a beautiful toy. Again, I regret not backing it, but it is Star Wars. And I'm kind of pissed. They do the Rancor. It doesn't meet its goals. It fails miserably. Like the, the Jabba the Hutt ship and the Mandalorian ship, the Razor Crest, blew past their goals. The Mandalorian needed like 5,000 or something or 6,000. I got like 29,000. And Jabba the Hutt got like eight, and I think it needed five. So the numbers were there for Star Wars. But not this time. I think that has an indication. I think it's an indicator of the economy. It definitely is affecting all of us. But I do think it has something to, there's something to say about the lack of um, desire for Star Wars. Because I bought the Proton Pack, which was more expensive but more attractive. You know, Ghostbusters is an old property. It's only a few years newer than Star Wars. What, uh, seven years difference? So it's been around for a long time. Had huge cultural impact. Star Wars is going to have the most, but Ghostbusters isn't that far off. Everybody knows who you're going to call. The Wokebusters, back it right now. Links in the description below. But my point I'm getting at is, we were there. Um, hold on one second. Now that I live with cats, sometimes they walk on stuff. Hold on a second. Sorry about that. Shit Pancake is a cute cat, but not a good cat at times. I digress. Um, but yeah, uh, long story short about all the crowdfunding and the stuff like that is you're not going to see a, a Rancor toy like that. Book of Boba Fett stuff, if they wanted to make some serious crowdfunder money, they would sell a Book of Boba Fett Slave 1 in scale with the figure, but they released a really nice one not too long ago with Slave 1 colors and boxes and all that stuff. So what else are they going to sell? I don't know. But uh, thank you, Reboot Mania. Um, that was just fun to think about their uh, their crowdfunder flop. Um, see you later, Joseph Biedowicz. Uh Up next is our friend Adam Wofford who says, do the whole forming Voltron have Boba Fett finish by saying, and I will form the head, form Blazing Sword, fight the Crete Dragon. Actually, that would be pretty cool to watch them form up and fight a Crete Dragon. All right, so what it should be is they formed up 
you know, to fight the Great Dragon. But the Sand People, the Tusken Raiders, pull out a flute and they play a ripoff of the Dragonzord theme. And then the Great Dragon rises out of the sand and kind of like reforms its body. And it's this big, like, I know they showed it in the book of, or the Mandalorian, how it like did the underground shit. But I want to see it like come out of the ground and do all this other crap. That'd be cool. Um, the Jedi Bake Off. I don't remember that one, Mr. Culber, at all. Uh, Darby Marby Dog says original Robocop is the best superhero movie. What up, bad SSL? I'm glad you brought up, brought up Robocop. Um, I actually showed Jesse Starship Troopers for the first time ever this weekend. And those wondering what's the similarity, they're both made by Paul Verhoeven. There's a there's a thread there. Um, you know what it is. But I digress. I love I love the commentary in both of those films, but I love Starship Troopers and Robocop is just okay. And I think it stems, and I think, it stems from that fucking way he's killed. I saw that as a kid on TV and it wasn't that bad. But then I saw it a little older, but still a kid, and I was like, wow, I don't like that scene. It makes me uncomfortable. It's not funny. I know like the over-the-top violence is meant to be funny. It's not. And the actors that made the movie weren't enjoying it either. Go watch the movies that made us. They talk about how they all just stood around and were in awe of what they had just made. Uh, I would feel the same way. Like Rick Baker, his animatronic work, all the special effects are top notch. That's why it's unsettling because it looks real. Um, my internet is dropping. So folks, I apologize in advance. Let me make sure all my devices are off the Wi-Fi here at the house. You know, it's funny for having Spectrum and paying for their high tier stuff. We do not get high tier internet here. Um, so let's see. <laughs> All right, we are back, I think, I hope. Uh, thank you, Lord Nero. Thank you. I do want to know more Dr. Coffin Nails. I do. But I enjoyed watching it with her because she was into the, the deeper meaning and uh, trying to break down the stuff. And it was fun to watch a Paul Verhoeven movie in that light so folks if you haven't watched starship troopers lately i highly recommend it it's a great film it has a lot to say and if you have it on 4k it looks wonderful that was one of those movies i picked up just because i like it but it was one i bought because i knew it had a great transfer and it looks awesome um now i'm ready to watch the fifth element that's another movie i bought because i heard it looks great so let's see um i was gonna ask you do you use your own modern modem and router um, I do not use a two-in-one, Mr. J. I bought a gaming router. or Yeah, I bought a gaming router. High-end one. It was a couple hundred bucks. I don't know if it's that or the internet itself, but I do not. I don't believe in using their uh, routers. Uh, Guitar Jedi agrees the scene in RoboCop is hard to watch. Uh, let's see. The Lost Galaxy Power Rangers extras had Starship Trooper armor. Oh, I didn't know that. The last episode of any kind of Power Rangers I remember watching was Power Rangers in Space. I'm pretty sure that is the one right before Lost Galaxy. That was fine. I know I always say I gave up after Mighty Morphin, and I did. But I kind of remember coming home and watching the In Space one because it was like Power Rangers met Star Trek. And Star Trek was that weird show at the time. Like I would go to someone's house and watch the sci-fi channel at like seven in the morning and Star Trek was on. I'm like, Ooh, what's this? So that's how I got into it. Oh my. 
shout out to our buddy Rob from uh, YouTube in general. I think it was Rob's birthday yesterday. So if you see Rob online, folks, uh, show him a little love. Wish him a happy birthday. Rob's a cool dude. This summer, we hung out. We had some pizza up in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And for those who have had New Haven pizza, you know how good it is. I've had the luxury of having Chicago, New York, all the places, the big ones in America. New Haven might be my favorite. It's unlike anything else, but it's so delicious. I think the only reason I wouldn't pick Chicago is because I couldn't eat as much Chicago pizza as I want. What I really want is to have, you know, a big Gino-style deep dish, preferably from Luminati's, with a shitload of cheese, but that's like an every-once-in-a-while meal. I digress. Let's get back with you guys, though, because if I keep talking about fucking pizza, all I'm going to do is order a pizza, which I ordered one this weekend. Wasn't that good. Um, hashtag Papa John's. Adam Wofford, what's up? He says, boiling sand in the crate dragon sword, but it's green and gold, and the sand person jumps on its head and says, now my, now you face my true power, Boba Fett. Now, Adam Wofford, the only thing that makes that better is if it's got that generic Tommy laugh. He's like, ha, 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 Because I love Jason David Frank. I really don't have much to say. Sometimes it was just overacted. They were all kids barely getting paid, too, so... Now, I see a lot of, uh, what you would call it, I see a lot of uh, Power Rangers talk in the chat right now. I, Mighty Morphin, like, has a direct line to my heart and my wallet, like, to the point where, like, if you were like me years ago, you would look at these guys online and go, why do you keep collecting all these Transformers and all these G.I. Joes and all these He-Man figures? I don't get it. And now that I'm the same age, I'm like, I need another Red Ranger. Oh, my God, the White Ranger. Like, for those out there, if you don't, you're like me, you don't grow up. I call myself a big kid with money. Uh, for my birthday, I got Power Rangers toys. <laughs> like I was, and I was happy. It was the best birthday. I turned 33. I got a set of expensive Power Rangers and watched uh, movies with Jesse and drank all day. It was glorious. <laughs> Breadman Productions. Yes, we are. So, for those listening, Breadman Productions asks. Speaking of Smash, are you guys going to do a WCBS Smash Brothers tournament at some point? This is our year where we're going to do all of our stuff that we talked about, and we're already in production, and we're already in motion. Over on Twitch, Dion has been streaming um, Mass Effect, and Nick has been streaming a couple other games, but we're really close to getting, what is it, membership or whatever, sponsorship, whatever you call it on Twitch. But we're already there, and this year alone, we've been doing Twitch gaming streams, WCBS Gaming on Twitch. Smash Brothers is definitely going to happen. I've been practicing, doing a little training, uh, two days after Christmas, we were on our way up to New Year's up in Michigan, but we had a slight detour at uh, in Springfield, Ohio, to stop and visit Jesse's friend from college. And he lives in a really nice house with a bunch of friends, and they every night they play Smash Brothers. And they're like, well, there's not much left to do in the night. You want to go play Smash Brothers? So we played for hours, and it was great. Um, I actually asked one of those guys if he wants to join us on Twitch because he was really good. So, um, yeah, I want to make that happen. Uh, Sigilstone17 says, Jeff, I received a Stealing Solo collector's box a while back, and I love your merchandising. Merchandising. Waiting on Stealing Solo, the flamethrower. Well, Sigilstone17, thank you for backing the collectors to your box. That was the big box that I was super excited to make. For this, I love doing comics. I love doing all this stuff. Collectibles added into comics make me super happy because I'm a toy guy. As you can hear me talk about being 33 and getting Power Rangers toys, I'm going to be excited. I mean... I, down the road, I firmly believe we'll have toys. You know, maybe there'll be little mini figures. Um, I actually know a couple people. Mandy Summers is cool with a lot of people. 
you know, right now, little figure sets are hot. They're in. Maybe that. That's always been a goal of mine. You know, the book gets 100% of my effort, but everything else does too. Like, you got the little toy booklet. That was an extra thing I didn't really announce, but I've always wanted to, you know, be in a Kenner toy booklet. So I put myself in one. And with Wokebusters, there's a second one that's coming with it too. You'll get, you know, it, it combines the toy world of Wokebusters and Stealing Solo. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 my jam. Down the road, I want to have a collectible line. I look at somebody like Ethan, I'm very happy for him. And I'm really thankful too, because a guy like Ethan does help everyone else because it's like, this is how you do it. You follow the steps. That's how, you know, you follow that path. And so down the road, I would love, I want, I will have uh, toys based on my work. Collectibles are my jam. For every figure of The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Luke Skywalker, um, they'll have a Woke Buster or a Stay Woke Truly Puff Man or something else. And I got a superhero I've created. I'm not going to talk about it now, but we'll find out next year. But Sigil Stone, thank you very much again for backing the project. I'm glad you enjoy everything. And uh, again, just thanks. So folks, we have another box like that over here on Wokebusters campaign. Uh, you can get that. We're offering slime. Yes, slime is going to be a part of the Wokebusters campaign. Uh, and the collector's box this time, obviously you'll get a printed box. You'll get all the Wokebusters uh, comics. You'll get trading cards. You'll get the shirt. You'll get slime. You'll get the stickers, then the booklet, and a little more. That's what that stickers and booklet means. I can't put everything that comes in it because you have about 10 objects you're allowed to put in a box. So Sigil Stone, that's why you got bonus stuff. Like I didn't promote that Stealing Solo, the collector's edition, came in its own custom box. But it did. So there we go. Uh, Matt Deckard, I have seen the Canadian RoboCop TV show. I grew up with that um, on Channel 64. So for those who are, um, those who listen to the show, if I ever talk about Channel 64 in Cincinnati, and Jonathan Hurst knows what's up, it was just a syndication channel that would show uh, kids WB stuff in the later 90s. But in the beginning, it just showed like Star Trek The Next Generation or very generic kid shows that it would buy up. Like, that's where you would catch a rerun of, like, I don't know, Garfield or something. But they always did show random stuff on the weekends. That's where I'd watch Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. That's where I'd watch Xena Warrior Princess. Those kind of shows. Sequest. Like, the 90s was the best decade for the syndicated show. I'm sure, like, was Knight Rider a syndicated show? Or that was, like, a national show. That was on NBC. So that was a different beast. But, like, you had these gimmicky kitschy 90s syndicated shows like the stargates and all the sci-fi stuff i loved that decade that was the best decade for like good bad tv if that makes sense like i'm not trying to shit on these shows they just didn't have the same production budget same level of uh effects but they were still good and i couldn't stop watching holy shit <laughs> see you later jeff the iron wolf uh Jonathan Hurst says, oh, Channel 64 had terrible reception. If only you had an antenna like my house. We did have an antenna. It wasn't an epic one, but um, it was an electronic antenna. And 64 came in pretty close or pretty good where I lived. I lived on the west side of town, not too far from the river. So I don't know if that helps, but. Ooh, Clone Geek got an original Garfield animation cell for Christmas. I got a broken spirit. Actually, no, I'll. For as sad as Christmas was with the family stuff, it was really nice. I don't even remember what I got gift-wise, but it was nice because my mom was able to get four days off of work, and we rented an Airbnb. We were originally going to stay with my aunt, but she was the one that got sick. And so 
we rented this Airbnb. And honestly, the best part of Christmas was the cooking. My mom cooked constantly and I allowed myself to eat whatever the fuck I wanted. And it was awesome. That was what Christmas 2021 was. Um, so let's see what else we got in the chat right now. Ah, Zena Warrior Princess. That was a great show. I loved it for all the wrong reasons. And the Jack of all trades was the GOAT. Bruce Campbell. Folks, if there's an unsung hero of Hollywood, unsung hero of entertainment, Bruce Campbell's got to be really high up on that list. Maybe number one. I know he's had his time in the sun. He's been in Burn Notice. He's been in Spider-Man. But Bruce Campbell and both Nathan Fillion deserve to have bigger careers than they did. They're talented, charismatic dudes, kind of similar in a certain type of way. A little cheesy, a little over the top. You could call Nathan Fillion the follow-up to Bruce Campbell, his successor, but I still think both of those guys have uh, another run in them. Because like I'm watching The Rookie pretty regularly on TV. Last year, during all the shit with the police and the real world, uh, I was watching that show waiting for it to get canceled because they tried to infect some of that wokeness. They had some of this bullshit in there. But the show knew what it was doing and got rid of it quickly. I really stuck through it because I like Nathan Fillion. He's just talented. Same with Bruce Campbell. Um, God, could you imagine a world where Bruce Campbell... Uh, play bigger superheroes. Like, the world would just be way more fun. He shouldn't be a, a supporting actor on a Disney movie. He should be the lead. And I would like to live in an alternate reality where when you want to end a horror franchise, instead of going and making, like, 15 sequels and diminishing returns, you figure out what the sweet point is, and you have Ash versus Leatherface, and you kill off your fucking hero in this epic Ash versus whatever. And that way, you build up a franchise of this versus series where everyone goes to see Ash versus Evil Dead, Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Like, those are billion-dollar movies themselves. But then you also have, like, the hype of, like, well, this is how this series ends, so you have that double. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll make that one day in an alternate reality. Um, ah, Friday the 13th, that show. That was fun. It has nothing to do with the movies. I gotta say, uh, the... <laughs> The fucking Nightmare on Elm Street show with Robert England was a lot better. Because it was with Robert England. Uh, Donald Camp, what is up? Uh, we haven't talked about Babylon 5 yet. It's a show I'm going to get invested in. Jesse's big into it. The only thing is the show is like formatted weird where it's like in high def, but it's like in widescreen. And I think they zoomed in or something like I got to do more research, but Babylon 5 got like a bad treatment. So hopefully they can I can find a way to just watch the original one. <laughs> oh, Panda Star, you're funny. I agree with you, Bad SSL. That would have been awesome. Ooh. Bruce Campbell is Nick Fury. How would God, the scenery would be chewed, you'd see teeth marks and everything. Like, oh my God. Now I do remember the short-lived Evil Dead TV series. I really loved it. That's all I wanted it to be. It knew what it was, and I'm pretty sure they said it wasn't coming back because it didn't make enough money because the people didn't support it. And horror fans tend to rip and take stuff and not buy a lot of it. And so I was like, oh, man, you guys should buy you know these box sets. And I bought them. Like, I want the show to live. <laughs> uh, Ash versus Rip Torn says Uncle Remus. I would watch that in a heartbeat. Rip Torn is an actor I never talk about. But I do like his work, mainly from Freddy Got Fingered. I'll leave that as is. 
Hey, Adama, what is up? He says, Jeff, speaking of random TV shows from the 90s, have you ever seen Nightman? It was based off the Malibu Marvel comic series book. I got the first issue signed by the artist Derek Robertson. I like Derek Robertson's artwork quite a bit. I did not know that uh, he drew that book because I don't think I've heard of it. Uh, let's see. Derek Robertson, Nightman. I'll have to look that up. Maybe I do know this show. Oh, wait. I know this show. It's not from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, from 19... 19- oh, wow, I had three seasons. I didn't realize that. Here you go, folks. <laughs> More of the stuff I'm nostalgic for. Rubber bodysuits. Ill-fitted masks. The works. This was the 90s. Maybe it was the year 2000 by the time this episode was shot. But yeah. That's Nightman. Matt McComb. Matt McComb is Johnny Domino slash Nightman with Felicia Bell, Michael Wood, Earl Holloman. Earl Holloman? Why do I know that name? This would be a fun one to watch on like Patreon or like a drunk stream or something. Maybe we will. Who knows? Now, we are working on our next drunk stream. It will be the Matrix Resurrections. Yes, we're going to kick off. We're not really doing drunk season this year. We're just going to do the year. We'll try to do one a month. That'd be optimal. And we're going to uh, start with the Matrix. I also want to have our Steven Spielberg weekend. That If we can work it out with everybody, that would be fun. Where we start on a Saturday. We start with Jurassic Park. We work through those. We work through other Steven Spielberg greats. We'll skip Indiana Jones, the trilogy, because we already did that. We might throw in, like, I don't know, Raiders. Up to you guys. But this was Nightman. <laughs> um, thank you, Adama. I might be watching that soon. A hunky chunky, funky monkey says Thursday's word is slap nuts. Well, I'm going to take a picture of that right now so I can send it to Kendo and the guys. They will, uh, they will appreciate this. There we go. Thank you, hunky chunky, funky monkey. And thank you for joining us. It's been a while. Um, so much, in fact, that I didn't even say your name right. It's the Hunky Chunky Funky Monkey. That's how I used to do it, right? Uh, Stan Lee says, HBO Max's Babylon 5 remaster looks great. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Uh, just not much they can do about the primitive CGI. Yeah, I don't expect them to go back and like redo it, re-render it, remake a show, because there's not enough money there. I wish there was a... Well, they did it with Star Trek, so let me let me pull that one back. Do they offer the original series as universally as they offer the remastered episodes in high def? Because if they do, then I'm cool with them going back and doing anything to these shows as long as the original is there in the highest quality possible. It's a weird way to keep your shows modern and to get the next generation in. I don't make excuses for the Star Wars special edition. But finding a way to keep Star Wars modern was good because it got me more into it. And so, yeah, I guess you look at the personal benefits of something like that. So there's nothing wrong with making an old franchise more accessible or bringing it back. That was really a thing of the 90s. People forget, like, Inspector Gadget was from 1983, but it had a huge resurgence in the early 90s. Maybe that was its peak popularity because that's when they had video games, a toy line, things that didn't exist as mainstream that they did in the 80s. For example, there was a really great Inspector Gadget doll back in the day, but there was no penny and brain to go with that. You know, in the 90s when the show got re-released, same episode, same everything, it was just put on, like, I think Nickelodeon, and then there was that Inspector Gadget's European show, and you're thinking, what's that? There was a show where they would go to museums and big beautiful national monuments and shit across the world, and Inspector Gadget would narrate it. 
and he would like fly down at the beginning. It was all real footage, but like the cartoon would like fly down on his helicopter and talk for a minute and then fly back up and then narrate the whole show. So those who didn't know, Inspector Gadget had a secondary show. I digress. Um, I will, Donald Camp. I will check that out for sure. So uh, let's see what else we got on the chat right now. A lot of people joining us. Uh, Jacob Glazer says, Kathleen Kennedy sucks at everything, but after Boba Fett episode three, I'm beginning to think that John Favreau's writing is just as problematic. I think it's time to be honest. I love what we do about Star Wars, we talk, how we talk about Star Wars in the community, but we got to be honest with stuff. And when stuff's not working, it's the people responsible for it too. Like, I haven't seen the book of Boba Fett, so I can't throw Favreau under the bus. I, Filoni, I guess it's cooler to throw him under the bus, but again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't like what they've done with, uh, whatchamacallit, with the Mandalorian and Ahsoka Tano and stuff. And that is very much a, um, Dave Filoni thing. So I'm interested if people, if there's going to be enough cognitive dissonance where people will not be able to call a spade a spade. At the end of the day, it is Kathleen Kennedy's fault. She built the world that allows less than, you know, when you had a guy like Lucas be your, you know, the buck stops with me, I make the decisions good or bad. You have a unified creative voice. That's what I like like with comics or sorry. You have your one voice. It's like, it's, you know, many people that come together with ideas or, you know, how to create or how to do this or how to do that. But at the end of the day, Lucas was that guy where everything converged and that he made all the shot made all the shot calls. Kathleen Kennedy is in that position, but doesn't give a shit or know it. Like it'd be like if you gave me the keys to the world's greatest bakery. I like pastry. I will eat bakery food all the time. To, you know, to the chagrin, you know, much of my own chagrin. But like, I like that stuff. But if you put me in charge of the world's greatest bakery, and you're like, here's the book. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how to make it better. Like, I just like to eat the pastry. I'm not the expert. That's what Kathleen Kennedy is. She's just a consumer in quotation. She's not even really a consumer. She doesn't like pastry. She is a diabetic. Actually, she's not even a diabetic. She's a vegan. All right? Diet, you know, having diabetes, I have family members that got diabetes. Bad decisions get you there. <laughs> and then you're forced to live a certain way. Bad decisions make you a vegan, and then you're just miserable the entire time. But Kathleen Kennedy is a vegan trying to bake a cake. She doesn't get it. And she doesn't have all these fake eggs and other shit. It's like for her, instead of an egg replacement, she just puts in more water. And you're like, well, that doesn't really make a good consistency of a cake. It doesn't stick together. Oh, you don't like her cake batter? You're a fucking racist. So she throws in more flour. Yeah, but it's kind of flavorless and gummy. Oh, but I'm a woman. You can't critique me. And then she puts rotten fruit in it. Like she just doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Now, Favreau is, you know, he's like the time to make the donuts guy. He's a workman. He knows how to make the donuts. He knows how to make the pastry, and we all believe in him. Now, if he didn't get a good night's rest, he might be off. The recipe might be skewed. If somebody comes in and buys his bakery and makes him change the recipe, it might be that. I'm willing to give John Favreau the benefit of the doubt because he's a he's one of the few creatives out there that has consistently entertained me and made me convinced that he's on our side, not necessarily because he believes what we believe, but he's a fan that wants to watch cool shit. And he's like the guy who wants to watch cool shit and has the ability to make said cool shit. So I hope that it's, you know, he's going to fix it or it's going to get better. 
Uh, do we want to keep looking at Nightman? No, we don't. No, we don't. Oh, Nightman is technically in the MCU since Marvel Comics bought Malibu, who produces Nightman. Huh. Ah, the Malibu comics bust. Well, not bust, but they bought them. Early 90s comics are fascinating to me. They're the era where comics kind of grew to their biggest, but then died. Like, there was a lot that went on. Uh, speaking of uh, going on, thank you. We have another backer over on Wokebusters. I will drop the link again, but that is over in the description right now. Um, we're 33% of our goal. We will pass this goal. Getting everybody on board. We keep moving up. Last week was the best week since our launch. And now we have a lot of new stuff to share. I have a big show tomorrow night with Drew from Comics Elite planned. And I have some more guests lined up. I actually spent this weekend talking to Anna, working on a couple things too. So be on the lookout for all that fun stuff. But, you know, Wokebusters is not a 90s comic. It's not going to be, um, there's not a lot of pouches. Let's just put it like that. I wish there were. There could be. Maybe down the road after we have, you know, I have my own comics, uh, a bunch of them out, we'll do pouch editions. And I'll go back and I'll draw every one of the comics with extreme pouches. Like, could you imagine stealing Solo with extreme pouches? I couldn't either. And I'm glad I didn't draw them in the first place. I digress. Um, uh, Tell a fan of Menace Boomer about the Honeymooners starring Cedric the Entertainer and watch them re. I thought them announcing the female reboot of the Honeymooners for the CW or whatever channel it was was a bad idea. I thought the Cedric the Entertainer uh, Honeymooners from like 05 was dumb. But it also comes from an era where like there's a different level of mean-spiritedness that's funny. There's also, like, a level of, like, we're all in on the joke. For example, you could have a an old black movie that said white people, like, Chappelle. White people do this, black people do that. Like, there was a point in time where, like, to me, that's still funny. Because there's some truth to it. But, like, there was a point in time where that was acceptably funny. And acceptably, you know, everywhere. I do think we've gone back to the point where like society's gone backwards because we've kind of been engineered to go backwards. These SJW people and all this other shit, uh, they want you to be offended. They're offended. You can't say this. That's that's wrong. That's wrong think. All that stuff. Blast that shit out of them with reason and logic. But that's the kind of stuff where you basically have to take a look at the problem and society at the same time. I think it's only fair to look at how we got to the point we are at now and also take into effect all those factors because we didn't just wake up into this woke retarded world it's been happening for the last couple of years and it's now good to not only call it out but to make sure you can track it back so you can essentially nip any problems in the bud that's really how you do it and what we're all doing at the end of the day is just making good accessible entertainment for people it's not social engineering on our end it's not mean-spirited all this terrible stuff on how to control the audience we just want to entertain people and entertain ourselves and have a good time doing it you watch you can watch a great comedy and you can see the actors are having a good time on screen and then you have a good time on screen or you can watch certain movies and the actors look like they're suffering and you're miserable too take james bond you only live twice sean connery was miserable in that movie and you can see it on screen but if you watch some of the earlier films where he's having a good time like i don't know goldfinger 
He shines. We can pick up on that. People know people. Uh, Cesaro in Japan says, can we talk about G-Force, Foreskin, or whatever the, da the danger-haired woman X calls herself? <laughs> I like the phrase danger hair. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a picture of that. I, I might use that uh, later on. Just danger-haired woman. Fuck. Should I put her in Woke Busters? It's not too late. Like, the story's written on pages or, you know, in production. It wouldn't be too late to throw Foreskin in Woke Busters. Should we do it? Like, if we can get like four more backers and get to 105, we could throw her in. It'd be fun. We could do all of this stuff. You got to remember, the story has its own narrative, but it does take time to poke fun at society. Um, the stable Trigglypuff ma'am, you know, the fucking floppy-armed lady at the college campus and all that shit. What the hell do you think that is a, based off of? And the character itself is an amalgamation of all the ugliness and woke in the world. See, all of this crap, Foreskin, uh, Anita Sarkeesian, uh, who are some Adam Sessler, all this shit. It's ugly. It is ugliness. That is what this shit is. When you, I don't care if somebody in my family votes Republican, Democrat, uh, what's his name? Vermin Supreme with the boot on his head. I don't give a shit. But I'm not going to wish death on my family because they're ideologically opposed to me. That's what these fuckers at G4 did. And that's first, that's the Adam Sessler problem I have. Let's start with him. I'm so tired of people that you want to talk about gatekeeping. Oh, you fans are the gatekeepers. We're not the gatekeepers. Retarded political shit is the gatekeepers. That's what's gatekeeping all this crap because you're keeping people out by putting this extra shit on it. I don't need to watch G4 and ever hear the word Republican or Democrat. What I need to hear is Nintendo, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Microsoft, uh, Fortnite, all this other bullshit. I'd rather be sold a fucking commercial by people that just want my money than people that want me to think a certain way because that's a little more dangerous. That's very much dangerous, much more dangerous than anything else out there. Um, it's, I don't want to use the phrase problematic because that's that kind of talk, but it's bullshit. That's what I'll say. I won't say it's problematic. I'll say, I'll say it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. The fact that I can't watch a show about video games anything really it's geek culture we have to get talked down to like in sports it's like oh we got this we got to worry about injuries or this or that we like remove ourselves from the fun to have a conversation about the thing and it sucks the life out of it absolutely fucking hate that stuff i watched g4 at the beginning like what was it GameSpot tv over on cable uh, Uncle T-Bird had cable. All my, everybody in my family had cable but us. We didn't get satellite until the year 2000. I'm not here to bitch about that. I had a ton of fun as a kid. But I was watching it at people's house because it was this weird thing I didn't have access to. And because I didn't have it, I needed it. I wanted it. I wanted to consume. I wanted to watch G4. There was a point in time when they merged. Let me look up the G4 Tech TV merger so I can give you guys a, a decent... Um, Fucking what you call it, timeline. Okay, so G4 Tech TV, uh, 2004. Okay, shit. Excuse me. So we're back to 2004 when G4 and Tech TV merged. Now, I remember Adam Sessler and a lot of the Tech TV people, uh, Extended Play. And Extended Play was originally what? GameSpot TV, and it becomes Extended Play, which becomes X-Play. Awesome. I Adam Sessler has always had these views 
But like now that the show is about the views, like we want to watch gaming. We've reached the point where your your content creators of these things at this certain higher level are so into themselves that they can't help but put their fingerprints on every piece of everything, no matter how antithetical it is to the spirit of G4 or what gaming is or any of this stuff. It's 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 disappointing. And to get back to what Foreskin said about, you know, let's actually pull up her clip and talk about it, or at least show her. Uh, Frosk is too sexy for her own good, says Matt Deckard. I, uh, um, so G4 did self-destruct. Thank you, ladies, man. Um, I hope that's a compliment. But G4 did self-destruct on launch. Um, it was like... Hold on, let's put this image up. This will make uh, everyone laugh. And it's no, it's not Foreskin Runner or whatever her name is. I wouldn't make us look at that. But G4 is back. And I should put it in a four now. That's what you've done. Everyone and their aunt has chimed in on this. I'm not going to spend an hour talking about um, everything. But let's start at the beginning. What G4 was post the merger was an entertainment channel that tried to have tech and sex. We'll call it tech's appeal if you want, a stupid portmanteau. G4 had always sold itself post-merger on sexy women and video games. I don't think it's really too much of a stretch that the consumer expects a brand that comes back from the past to be the same thing. We, when we buy a, into a show, we want a continuation. We don't give a fuck what happened in the real world and why the real world should be reflected in the show or the entertainment that we're watching. No. If Al Bundy... Well, that's a bad example because I actually want Al Bundy to rip apart on how stupid the world is. But for example, uh, hmm, what's a good example? Because I almost said Indiana Jones, but he's coming back. They already brought back Star Wars. They already Ghostbusters. Die Hard. Die Hard was a prime example. Die Hard 4. I like Die Hard 4 and I'll go to bat for that one. I like seeing that McCl where he is in his life, a natural story. I didn't need um, post 9-11 this and that about him. You got that in the story. The character of John McClane is just a continuation. You want, He's the franchise. He's the brand. You want to put that recognizable thing in an unfamiliar setting, but you want to make that recognizable thing everything you love about it. And people go, well, Die Hard 4 is not that great. Die Hard 4 is pretty solid, and it has all of the hallmarks that make McClane the great character. One of the best lines of Die Hard 4 is when he's talking to Justin Long's character. And he's like, yeah, being a hero is great. What does that get you? A lot of cold dinners. In the previous film, what did getting a hero, what, what did being a hero get John McClane? A divorce from his wife. Like it's the continuation of the decline of John McClane's social and personal life while he does these great heroic things. But he's coming back, he's smoking, he's cussing, he's shooting people up. He's the same guy. Die Hard 5 can suck a dick. G4 comes back. We want everything that G4 was. Outside of the cop reruns and Spaceball episodes, G4 was attack of the show. It was tech and sex. I don't need... Oh, and, and Ninja Warrior. I don't need to get sex from TV. We have the internet. We, have, we had it back then. I don't really need to get my jollies off watching a girl talk about Nintendo. But I do want to watch somebody that's likable talk about Nintendo. And so that's the problem I run into with 
these types of people like Forsket or Frost or whatever you want to fucking call her, where you want to be respected. You want to be heard for your opinions and the stuff that you worked hard for. But here's the thing. You're on TV. You're called a TV personality. Being mean and shitty is not a good personality trait. And so when you're on TV, you have opened yourself up to criticisms because you're a public figure. People are going to talk about you a certain way. Do you like everything you get? No. Do I like everything I get in the chat? Fuck no. But I don't stop the show to talk down to, you hurt my feelings, blah, blah, blah. I'm a minority. Uh, like, nobody does that shit. Only losers do shit like that. This chick's a loser. G4 is a fucking loser of a channel. Like, it came back on July. It was announced on July 24th of 2020 that it was making a comeback. G4 has only been around since November 16th. I don't care. I want them to go away. They don't offer anything anymore to society. They have become Kotaku TV. What is that? Their, their politics blended with video game journalism. That's all it is. If I wanted this shit, well, I don't. This is like, imagine if G4, the relaunch, existed during Gamergate. IGN didn't cover that shit in the beginning. I remember being in the comments section going, why aren't we talking about Gamergate? And it would get removed. I remember messaging guys like Colin Moriarty. Are you guys going to talk about Gamergate on your show with Greg Miller? Nothing. If G4 was around, they would have covered it and they would have taken Zoe Quinn and Anita Sarkeesian and every woman involved. They would have put them on TV, called them heroes, victims, this and that, because they couldn't separate themselves from being an entertainment channel about video games. They want to get in to uh, more. They want to be political. They want to be um, they want to be righteous. These people don't like I would rather on a show, I'm proud when I entertain people and walk out happy when they walk out happy. I don't care that I didn't tell people about my philosophical views on the plight of the blah blah blah. Like who gives a shit? You don't watch us for that. You don't watch G4 to be talked down to by ugly people. All of them are ugly. Men, women, y'all suck. Um, Ancient Mariner says nobody even knew they were back till Foreskin self-destructed. I I knew they were coming back, but I didn't know they were back. Like when we were doing a lot of the review or a lot of the stuff for the a live show, we're finding out that um, like they had been on for months and they've done all these shows. And I go, wow, how did I miss that? Uh, Commander Cody 017, thank you very much. He says it's all about the game, video game high school. This is the motto G4 needs not to forget. If they keep it up, they'll slowly turn into the Mary Sue. Well, Commander Cody, a lot of these people want that. They want to be the Mary Sue. They want to be these oppressed weirdos with shitty tattoos, piercings, and haircuts. They all want to live in a hippie commune and bitch how they're oppressed together, and they don't want to do any work. Like, back in the day, those people went off and made their own shit. They made their own counterculture. Now the corporate structure brings them in because they think it's how we're going to sell to the real person. These are real people. These are real problems. No, they're not. Olivia Munn would do way more for G4 than Foreskin. Why? She's hot, yeah, but she's also the face of G4. Well, was at one point in time. She was great. She was funny. She knew what she was. I didn't watch G4. I didn't watch Attack of the Show because I thought Olivia Munn was going to give me thought-provoking reviews. I watched it when I did because, one, I wanted to get up-to-date stuff on gaming and tech. And, two, she was hot and she was funny. Those skits were great. Some of the shit, she has good comedic timing. Like, I'm not surprised she branched out into acting. I'm also not surprised that her acting career hasn't really taken off because she's not that talented, but I digress. My point is, she was what she was. She was the funny hot chick. Foreskin, Frost, whatever you are, you're, you weren't that. That's fine. There was Morgan Webb. 
I used to watch Morgan Webb because I thought she was cool. I never once thought, oh, Morgan Webb's hot. That's why I'm watching extended play. I'm watching extended play because I want to watch a show on video games. It's the only one out there that was that big. Okay, cool. So then I watched it and I liked it. And I liked her. I respected her opinion. Her reviews held the same weight as Adam Sessler to me. When she was on TV, I paid just as much attention as I did to Adam Sessler. Adam Sessler, the reason I liked him so much, he was this weird freak. And yeah, I'm going to use that word. He was like this weird guy. He didn't look normal. He was skinny, balding, this, that. You couldn't tell if he was old or young. He was kind of weird and frenetic. He dressed like shit. Like, he, you couldn't stop watching him. He was a TV personality that had personality and was weirdly magnetic. Same with her. She had her own brand, but I was on board. You know, if I was watching a live stream of G4, I probably wouldn't comment. But if I did, it would have been something along the lines of love extended play. That's it. But now we can't have fun with it anymore. We have mommy. We have the nanny state that has come in and, you know, pointed their finger and told us about, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to think. This is how you're supposed to act. This is all this bullshit. Like, you can call these people these woke assholes on TV. Bust them. Nobody wants that kind of shit. If... People like Foreskin, if people like Anita Sarkeesian, if people like them were right, if they were really right about society, shit would change. But they're the type of people that bitch about change because something didn't go their way or something affected them directly. I don't like, uh, you know, I don't think you need to sit and subject people to constant harassment. Nobody wants that. But those are the things that go without saying. I When I don't say those things, it's not because I'm trying to virtue signal or this or that. It's like, that goes without being said. It's like we end every video and every stream with be excellent to each other. Are we going to go out and then uh, start you know, beating up people because they're minorities? No. Like it's, it's, a, it's a given thing that we, we conduct ourselves in a certain way. And so I think – like I, I do it, like the audience. I know you guys are going to conduct yourself in a certain way, and that's awesome. We're all here to have a good time. I respect you guys. I want to be respected the same way – G4. I want G4 to respect us that same way. We're like, we're going to the show. We're here to have a good time. We're not here to watch a bunch of sour people bitch about whatever. Like, your lives aren't that interesting in the first place. We're here to watch game content. We're here to watch your take or some. Here's the thing, too. Someone's take. That woman's take isn't her take. She said straight up that uh, other people write these reviews. Oh, this person reads the review. You don't care. What I really care about is how your channel is just a corporate hodgepodge bullshit like IGN's garbage but I know those guys write their articles like I'm sure the editor comes in and tells me to put this here promote that here we're not I know that but like you know Jonathan Dornbush wrote his article or fucking um what's the guy from Xbox that I actually like not Damon Hatfield he's my favorite whoever Ryan McCaffrey whatever opinions on their views but like they wrote their shit like that's their voice G4, it's somebody else's voice with really shitty presenters put in front of it. Thank you, Matt Deckard. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, Veringjar138, I did look up more pictures of her from her past. And you're right, the whole grunge aesthetic is a put-on. Look at the old images of her. She had a very well-groomed feminine thing going on for a long time. The crust, pink, the crust punk on G4 might as well be a different person. We can tell when somebody has a put on like that uh, a mile away. We talk about, I use this quote from The Rock. We talk, he's talking down to John Cena, calling him a fake punk. And he goes, we know a fake punk. We can smell it a mile away. 
we all can smell a fake geek a mile away. We can smell a fake games journo a mile away. You're moles. Oh, you're the moles that infiltrated geek culture. Yeah, but we're here to fucking blow you out the ground. You suck. I, um, what up, Watchmen of y'all? I'm really excited to see um, what's next with G4. Like, how do you follow that meltdown up? You don't. You, you gonna apologize next week? You gonna say, well, we're sorry? No, you're gonna double down because you're a fucking asshole of a network that doesn't need to exist. Like, like I said to a couple people earlier this week, what does G4 do that we don't? And I don't mean just me or WCBS, but like YouTube in general. Technology's advanced to the point where we can all, within reason, afford to start a YouTube channel. Really, you just need a phone. A phone and dedication, you can make a YouTube channel happen. With a little bit of money and a computer, you can make an even better YouTube channel happen. And honestly, if you can come up with $3,000, you can make a fucking production that's on G4's level for three grand. It's cheaper than buying a Subway. Yes, I looked into buying a Subway multiple times. Uh, when I was living in Ohio, I thought, all right, the comic was cool. I'm going to buy property. I'm going to let it make its own money and this and that. And then I looked into the Subway stuff. And I didn't really want to commit to buying a Subway because I used to work in fast food. And the last thing I wanted to have to do is work in my own Subway. That would have sucked. <laughs> so I didn't. Um, thank you, Crimson Fang. We should all stick together. We're all fans. We're all in this together. The thing is, we all suffer the same way. And I think when a fellow fan, a brother, a sister, whatever you want to call us, and they're suffering too, you feel the pain, you want to help. That's why five years removed, The Last Jedi still stings us as Star Wars fans. That's why, you know, people still talk about Spider-Man 3 and this or that. These are these shared events that went wrong. Now the shared events that went right, we praise as well. Again, Spider-Man No Way Home was a solid film. I don't want to say it's great because I don't want to undersell the phrase great. I would rank it, I want to say third, but maybe fourth. I got to rewatch Into the Spider-Verse. I don't like Miles Morales, but I thought that movie was beautiful. It told a good story. And it's, I don't, I won't say it's relatable. The funny thing is, the more and more they make characters look like a guy like me, they become less and less relatable. Because I may look different, but I'm just like everyone else. You know, I can spare you the whole, I bleed the same and all that shit. But no, like, Star Wars, I like Star Wars the same. Vader, Luke, all this shit. If somebody looked at me and said, is Lando your favorite character? I'd probably spit in their face. That's the biggest sign of disrespect I can show. And that's the biggest disrespect sign of disrespect you can show. It's like coming up to me and saying, I bet your favorite music's hip-hop or some dumb shit. It's like, why are we all put in a box? It's like if I went up to a dude that had a, I don't know, a red, white, blue shirt and on and said, hey, man, you know. I'm sure you love country and dumb shit like that. Nobody likes that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's how the people that make these shows, these SJW people, all this shit, that's how they divide and conquer and win. And now 2022 is the year where we all get together and push them, push them right back. Hell, I'd say even push them out of this shit. I know that seems extreme to say, but the end game for companies is money. And money comes from the fans. And we're not going to fucking buy into your woke bullshit if you keep shitting on us, like I never called for a boycott, never on this channel, never will. It is your money. You do what you want. I'll just make stuff to tell you to get, but like, I'm never going to sit here and tell you, Oh, boycott this because of X, Y, and Z. It'll eventually catch up. It'll hurt them. It'll eventually, um, you know, make them pay attention to us. 
And so find ways to make them pay attention that you're not happy, that you're dissatisfied. You know, a, a nice, a, a strongly written tweet that hits them with facts will knock them out 10 times stronger than, you know, looking for some kind of joke or looking for some low-hanging fruit. Really, I'm trying to give you guys a roadmap how to get rid of this type of entertainment. It's not that I want to make people like Foreskin suffer or people like Adam Sessler suffer. They're going to suffer on their own because they're insufferable. But I want you guys to know how to get rid of the entertainment you hate because it's really important that we all, you know, the world sucks. It's The world is worse off than when we started the channel. Can't really do everything about everything. I don't have the codes on the control, but we can all find a way to make entertainment more tolerable together. You know, we have fun on these shows. We have fun in the community. We make fun of the bad stuff. If we sat and watched it and then tried to take it seriously, we'd go nuts. We would go crazy trying to look for the real deep philosophical meanings in The Last Jedi and not pay attention to the bullshit. Like, we'd go nuts. This is a great, I won't even call our community a coping mechanism. It's just a, really, it's just a great community of people that are, like, sane, like-minded, knowing what is happening right now. They're just, we're all crazy. We're all seeing what's so crazy. And I'm going to step away for just a quick second. And that quick second is up. I am back. So let's see what everyone is saying about um, stuff. <laughs> Central Stone says, speaking of minorities, WCBS should revive bum fights. I could be down with that. Um we'll just we'll just actually what i'll do is i'll take a camera out down the street I'll be like, all right bum fights is back go so let's see i think watchman of yas says i think g4 thought it could get its fans back from nostalgia but didn't realize we moved on especially after this rant especially now that we got people like uh young yeah and angry joe who are actually playing games and giving real responses and feedback yeah um i don't Angry Joe, I'm in a weird place with Angry Joe. I don't dislike him. I just don't watch him as much as I used to. I used to watch Angry Joe regularly. Maybe he had a feud with somebody or I don't know. I just I think it was the Jeff Keeley interview where he tried to yell at Jeff Keeley but didn't like get everything prepared right or something and I just was like, "Oh." But you are right though, Sigil Stone about or sorry, Watchmen of Yaw. Those are, the, those are exactly people that replace G4. And again, folks, with $3,000, you can replace G4. Because, well, what do I need $3,000 for? Well, you got to either get yourself a nice gaming PC where you can play games, record, and do everything on YouTube that way, and you're covered, and then get yourself a camera. Or, you know, editing equipment and shit like that. Like, again, G4, you can take them down real easily. Doxymom82 says, Jeff, did you watch the cringy scene from... Just like that, Sex in the City. I have not. Um, I have not even seen a single episode of Sex in the City. It's a show that uh, I don't have any respect for or any interest in, but I don't have any problem with people watching it. Kim Cattrall, I do like her. Uh, she's the only woman on that show that I was like, ooh, because she was hot when she was young. Looks okay today, so I'm a fan. Sarah Jessica Parker, no thank you. Uh, Rex says, hey, back off Lando. He's my second favorite character and why for the most selfless uh, protagonist in the story. I actually do like Lando quite a bit, Rex. I picked Lando because I don't like being, uh, people think, well, you, you're you not white, so you're going to like Lando. That's the reason I used Lando. 
Personally, I should have said Finn because nobody likes Finn, but also an old school Star Wars fan. So Lando Calrissian is a top 10 for me. Put it like this. I collect Star Wars in a weird way where I always start with Han Solo. Han Solo is my favorite character. Harrison Ford is my favorite actor. Um, I got high end. Here, I'll show you, for example. So everyone knows I collect and do this stuff. Here we go. Let's turn on the camera for a minute. So here's a high-end Han Solo. Let's do full screen so you can actually see it. But here's a high-end Han Solo, right? Japanese SH Figure Arts, you know, one of the best you can get. And here's like shitty Disney Han Solo, which was given to me. And I like them both. He's my favorite character. And that looks, you know, super, super realistic for what you can do in this scale. But my point is... I love the character, and I always build out from him. So after Han Solo, it goes Chewbacca. Then after I get Chewbacca, I get Luke, because Luke's cool. And then after Luke, I get Leia. And after that, I get Darth Vader and the and Ben and then the droids and stuff. But Lando, basically, I build my Star Wars collection from A New Hope with those original characters, and then I go and will continue outward. So Lando, I own Lando in every format that I collected. So it's like, oh, you got... Black Series? Well, I got Black Series Lando. Oh, you got, uh, you know, the Vintage Collection? Well, I got Vintage Collection Lando. Which costume? Well, I got his Return of the Jedi garb. I got his Empire Strikes Back garb. I got his Skiff Guard uniform, too. Like, Lando is always there. Lando, hell, our cat is named Lando. Lando Catrissian. I didn't name him, but I actually like the name quite a bit. But I really got upset with how they treated Lando on the build-up to Solo, a Star Wars story. He pansexual come on man like i just i'll break it down in the simplest form why is the black dude got to be the sexual deviant freak disney should have had that thought like why does the black guy got to be the janitor that simps for the white girl you know why does the black guy got to get wiped off the poster i don't i'm not black i don't really take up that crusade that way many different things i am but my point is like why does the black dude got to suffer in star wars when in reality like demographically speaking after the white guy is probably the black guy that likes Star Wars the most because Star Wars has historically been a guy's property. It, no matter where you come from, the hero's journey appeals to young boys. You know, young Dion and young Nick and young Kendo and young Jeff had very different upbringings. We didn't even know each other as children, but we all liked Star Wars. And we all looked to those characters who just so happened to be white and like them. So that's the kind of stuff. Uh, I know I used Lando as an example, but I just, I don't, I don't like when people expect you to look a certain way and like and think a certain way. I think that's, I wouldn't call it racism because I hate that phrase, like getting thrown everywhere. It's lost its teeth, but it's stupid. And I think it just, it hurts. That's really what, and that, that, it hurts my soul. It just hurts your cause. It hurts growing geek culture. It, help, it hurts growing nerd culture. Because for example, like I like Static Shock. I tried to go support the new 52 relaunch of Static Shock. It was a little, a little, it was way too preachy and stereotypical. So I put it down. I was like, what the fuck are they trying to do? Who are you trying to sell this for? Um, Sigil Stone, I didn't name the cat that, so, uh, blame Jesse. Third Eye Jedi, what is up? Good morning to you, and thank you for joining us here on Good Morning Pop Culture, where we are live, we have over 200 people watching, um, I guess you guys like Good Morning Pop Culture, so, I want to find a way to make it a daily thing, that would make me happy, it would make you happy, it would have to be on its own channel, and we have to figure out a system, but eventually when I'm done working on this movie, and yes, I'm working on a movie, not like... Hey, one day I hope to do stuff like, no, I signed a contract and I can't talk about it and all that fun stuff. But like when that job is done, we can talk a little more about GMPC. Um, 
I'm going to throw as many of these as I can to promote woke busters. So you guys love stuff like this back woke busters. All this stuff helps keep us around. So there you go. And don't worry, we'll never become G4. Uh, Space Monkey 899 says, Hey Jeff, I've been inspired to start my own comic. Big problem at facing right now is I can't draw that well at all. Well, Space Monkey 899, if you're passionate about drawing your own comic book, um, drawing's fun. And there's a it's it's a journey. It's gonna take you a while to get to where you want to go. But there are ways to tell your story with different art, or you can just hire an artist. I know a ton of people. Thing is, like everybody that's a comic book artist is always looking for more work. So you think, like, man, I could never work with somebody at this level. Just get an email address and reach out. Like when I was working on the last um whatchamacallit, Stealing Solo campaign, the Fandom Menace edition. I talked to multiple people that had colored books for Marvel. And I get it. People aren't into Marvel, SJW books, this and that. That's fine. But what do I always say? Don't don't make the artists suffer because they're just hired guns. Like, they're doing good work. So you can find really good artists that you can work with um, if you're really passionate about telling your own comics. You don't have to be able to draw them. You can write them. Stan Lee didn't draw. Uh, Jack Kirby drew the pictures. John Romita drew the pictures. They made the books comic books. But... Um, yeah, I can tell you who's looking and, you know, we're going to have tons of creators and stuff on the channel, uh, besides the regular pop culture stuff. So yeah, also, uh, I'm looking to get a couple wrestlers on the show this year on the podcast proper. So, uh, if there's any, uh, names that you would like to hear us interview or talk to, uh, let me know. We've already met the Godfather. I'm working something out with him, but I am, uh, you know, open to requests and ideas. So Space Monkey 899 to answer your question, get yourself a copy of How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. Get yourself a copy of... Everyone's going to tell you, like, get, like, Brigman's Anatomy or some, like, real dogmatic drawing book, and they're, that's great. But let me tell you what I have found helps me already at where I am. Go to YouTube, watch David Finch's YouTube videos on how to draw. He's a DC artist. I'm sure he knows Ethan. Like, personally, they're at the same level. They're both great awesome guys they've worked on you know the biggest books ever but david finch has a youtube channel where he breaks down how to draw and he tells some really cool tips and tricks and stuff that i already knew how to draw but i've implemented some of his shit into my own work for speed so there's my advice right now instead of a book david finch's youtube channel i think ethan used to do some art videos as well so obviously be checked that are subscribed to um all caps comics his name is thing he's a comic artist pro secrets here on youtube check him out uh, so, uh, because wokeness has always demasculinized black men, says Dr. Coffinels. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, it's not good. Um, you some of the people like a Chappelle, some of the people, uh, it doesn't even have to be minority comedians, but just any of the comedians that talk about what it's like to be treated as like a jester type of character, uh, they know what's up. And that wokeness does that to a lot of people. Think of it like this, too. Like, last year when everything was gay, 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 um, and then the next month happens and nobody's into the trends anymore. Like, that's another thing that wokeness hurts, too. All these stupid trends that people get into. they These trends pop up long enough for people to get into vicious fights, ideological wars, and lose friends and hate people. But then they go away like that. You don't remember the next year why you don't like the person. Like, how many people have you run into are like, why don't I dislike or why don't I talk to them anymore? 
Now, before it's like, I don't, I'm not friends with, um, you know, Chico because he slept with my sister, or I'm not friends with so and so because they ran over my foot with a car, like shit like that. Now it is like, I don't hang out with Rob because he voted for the wrong president, or I don't hang out with Tina because she does, she's whatever, she's a racist because she watched, um, you know, John Wick 2 instead of whatever, and didn't watch Proud Mary, a female action led superhero movie, or some dumb shit like that. That's where we are. Like people stop being friends and stop interacting and stop being decent and civil because of dumb shit like that. I cannot wait to share more of Wokebusters because we literally blast these people. Uh, we blast the the wokeness out of them. They are these ugly monsters, and we're here. We fight them. Just you know, excuse me. With people like that, wokeness, SJW crap like that. Make fun of it till it goes away, because it will eventually go away. The only reason it's here is because some people in the corporate structure and the marketing level think it makes money. It's all about the money. If anyone thinks it's something else, it's not. It's There's ways, there's beliefs. Take it. I take it from a guy who works at a studio, not Universal Studios theme park, but the actual place, straight up from his mouth. It comes from the marketing department. The scripting is still there. There are still passionate people in the story department, but it's the marketing department that changes all of the stuff. And the marketing department is full of younger people who are the woke idiots. That's where a lot of this stuff is coming from, from the movies. I couldn't tell you everything politically. I couldn't tell you everything on TV, but from this specific Universal Studio, that is where it falls apart in the marketing department. Uh, Crimson Fang says, we are finding that hero's journey in anime and manga. You will definitely find it in anime and manga, and you'll find it in my superhero story that I'm working on next. I have Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces. I've been consuming all sorts of um, things on how to make the best entertainment. I actually am working on a formula, and the formulas aren't boring. Formulas are cool, but I think I figured out certain things, and the universal appeal, the universal approach is one of the best and most important things that you can do. And so every book, there's not every book, but everything that help or that sets out to separate us from our, based on our, our looks, our views, our religion, our this and that, is bad entertainment that will go away and that doesn't deserve to exist. And yeah, I'm saying something that harsh. Ghostbusters 2016, you'll, you'll get your cover coming up. You don't deserve to exist. That is why you're really wiped out from history. And that's why losers like Paul Feig has to have to go and complain on social media. What about my movie? We won a Kids' Choice Award. We were great. No, you weren't. You fucking sucked. The minute some asshole came up with that idea, it sucked. The minute somebody wrote down five words in the script, it sucked. The minute that script got printed, it sucked. The minute somebody drank a cup of coffee and decided to make the movie, it sucked. Everything from Ghostbusters 2016 has sucked. That movie doesn't deserve any of our attention. It doesn't deserve our time. It doesn't deserve our praise. It doesn't deserve our sympathy, our pity, anything. Go the fuck away. That is the most hated movie in history. The female reboot of Ghostbusters. Why? Because it's a mean-spirited piece of shit that tears people apart. The original Ghostbusters, that brought people together. It's a great comedy that everyone can get involved with. It's got some horror. It's got some action. It's got everything for everybody. It's diverse enough as it is. You want to you break out what, Ghostbusters? I watched it a million times for this fucking comic. But like, the women in Ghostbusters. Oh, there aren't any female Ghostbusters on the team. Yeah, but the jobs that the women hold in Ghostbusters, Dana Barrett is a world-class uh, concert musician who plays at, what is it, the Carnegie Hall? Or Carnegie Hall? Like, she trains there. She's at the top. A working-class schlub is what Venkman is. Oh, he's a doctor. He's a scientist. Yeah, that's fine, but she's just as smart, just as capable, more successful. She's awesome. 
Uh, Janine, she's played for a joke for the most part, but Janine could hold her own. Uh, you got the other lady that's a big New York City real estate um, agent. Like, again, you're showing women in jobs in the story. You're not, it's not like the Ghostbusters go to a strip club and throw dollars at women. No, like anything you're trying to do with Ghostbusters 2016 uh, sucked. So sorry to be so harsh and mean, but I hate that movie. That's one of the reasons why I did the comic. Like anytime someone takes something I love, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, and does it, we're going to come back and we're going to make fun of it. We're always going to be here to make fun of that shit with beautiful art. So guys, let's talk about the next subject this morning. Uh, I don't want to get into this too, too much because it's really not that important, but does anyone care about Black Panther 2 coming back? Like with Chadwick Boseman's sad passing, there really isn't much interest on my end for more of that superhero. He did such a good job, knocked out the park, and now we're stuck with uh, the lesser versions. And by the way, Baby Outlaw, shout out to you too. Uh, I'll tell Jesse you said hey. So uh, let's see. Actually, your expert says, wait, wait, miss you, Jeff. I thought there was Good Morning Pop Culture channel. What happened? To that? Oh, there is a Good Morning Pop Culture channel. Um, you just type it in. It's on YouTube. Uh, GMPC, and yeah, oh wow, okay. <laughs> when you type it in, this show pops up with the Wokebusters, awesome. Uh, let's look up Good Morning Pop Culture. I, if I could spell. Here it is right here. Good Morning Pop Culture channel is still around. We have 2.48 thousand subscribers, but this channel, like crap, there we go. And hit copy instead of paste. There it is right there. This show will go live there uh, after this. So thank you, Action Figure Expert, for reminding me to uh, tell people about that. Mike Neal says, um, how do you get a comic book artist? Um, Facebook has a lot of great groups where I'm in Facebook groups with 23,000 people all looking for work or people that are looking to hire artists. They're everywhere. Um just look around, honestly. Uh, ask on streams like this. You know, ask somebody like an Anna or a Mandy Summers or a Pete Gilmore artist, stuff like that. People who know other people, because you're all there's always. I could, I could list off a couple people who might draw stuff for you right now. It just depends on what you're looking for. So, basically, what I want to do is to help everyone get their art out there too, so we can just instead of having a world full of SJW garbage, we have a, a world full of really passionate well-made entertainment like is, is that a is that a future that's bad like i'm sure there are more there are more important things to focus on in the future there are more important things that i could worry about right now but i do like that there's a world where we can all just make better entertainment like the world can suck i'm not here to tell you how to fix that or what to do and voting and this and that but it would be nice that when you come home from your nightmare of a job or whatever life where you, you flip on a movie and you go wow that was that was great and then it inspires you to go out and make your own. Like, it's crazy, but it's not at the same time. Like, movies are inspirational. James Cameron was a fucking truck driver. He saw Star Wars, and now where's James Cameron at? Making Avatar 2, the sequel to the one of the big the biggest movie of all time. Like, follow your passions. It's not crazy. You're everybody out there has a story to tell. Not everyone can tell the story, but if you're that passionate about your story. You can find the people to help make it real. I think that'll create the just as good of art as if you spent years drawing. You know, Ethan's been a pro for what twenty six years at this point, most of my life, or something like that. Uh, I've been drawing 
since 01 is when I got how to draw comics the Marvel way and basically spent most of my 20s doing it. Like, it's just as fulfilling, you know, creating, writing, and having somebody draw it too. So go out, do it. Um, how to draw manga. Uh, I don't have that book. Uh, Mike, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have it. I know a couple people that draw great manga style art. So if you're looking for that, you know. It's funny. Uh, Mycroft Holmes says politics is the new religion. Well, whatever happened to separation of church and state? Uh, we're going to have separation of politics and pop culture uh, as much as we can. We always do. Uh, formulas are a tool. They are a tool, says Dr. Coffin. Or they are a tool, Dr. Coffin nails. Um, there we go. So our friend Adam Wofford says, hey, speaking of having people on, if possible, I would like to see Adrian Paul on a high council and have Jesse talk about sword fighting from Highlander. We can make that happen. Um, Jesse was working with Adrian Paul on a podcast. Uh, so yeah, let me, let me ask uh, him and her and try to work that out. If you guys are interested in stuff like that, be a lot of fun. We would also do like um we could also like you know have them critique a lightsaber duel or something like that. Like really get into it. Um if you guys want that kind of stuff, all you have to do is tell me. I'd love to make shows that you guys want to watch. It makes it fun. Believe me, if you would watch anything I would produce and huge numbers, we'd probably talk about James Bond every week or Spider-Man. Fuck. If if not no matter what, you'd watch anything. I would do, we're going to start with Amazing Fantasy 15, and every week we're going to review an issue of Spider-Man. That's boring. It's fun for me, boring for you. So, you know, just tell me what you want. And Adam Walford, I'm going to take a screenshot of this and uh, send that to Jesse, actually. There we go. Uh, but thank you, Adam Walford. I appreciate the uh, recommendation. It'll be fun to talk to somebody who's uh, that well-versed. After we get that, I think the next goal for the channel will be the armorer from Rust. Okay, no, I won't. I would never have Alec Baldwin on the channel, even though he's not the armor. Actually, Alec Baldwin would be a fun person to interview and then just watch him melt down. Just, just love it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, thank you, Kenny Long. Not yet, but not here forever. Don't worry. And a former fellow Spartan. Go green, go white. I see that. Uh, Dion's in the chat too. Dion's a former fellow Spartan. That's where we met. Um, but thank you though, Kenny, for uh, you know commenting on my takes. They're from the heart. They're genuine, and I love I love doing all this stuff. I think the biggest issue I have at times is not having time to make more. Like I legitimately go like, God damn, I wish I could talk about this right now, but I'm in the middle of something else. So, um, let's see. I'd like to see this two choreograph a lightsaber duel, says Cortanus 001. I will tell Jesse that. We have a lightsaber, like a combat-ready one. It's orange, but it's got Luke Skywalker's Return of the Jedi hilt. It's cool. It's like, you know, like a, what are those called? They're like something sabers are the kind that you order online and can fight with. Because it comes with a combat blade and a regular display blade. Somebody sends it to her. If anybody wants to send me a blue Empire Strikes Back Luke Skywalker lightsaber, <clears throat> I'm not going to say no. What I need to do really is just get a high-end Hasbro one, put it up on the wall. That's my favorite lightsaber hilt. I remember being a kid, um, there was a Star Wars magazine, and on the back there was an ad for a high-end lightsaber. It was like 300 bucks, like a, like a DuPont registry, no, um, Danbury Mint or something high-end. But my friend and I were convinced it would turn on, not like be a real lightsaber, just like because the toys turned on. So we're like, all right, where does the blade glow? How does it turn on? This and that. 
we couldn't comprehend it. It was just like a replica of the handle, the hilt, if you will. Uh, but ever since then, I've wanted Luke's lightsaber. And yeah, I know it's his father's lightsaber. And I know Ray gets to claim it. But for me, that's Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. When he sat there with Obi-Wan Kenobi and waved it in front. And when he fucking fought the Wampa and then fought Vader and ended up losing his hand with it. Like, that was still Luke's weapon. The green one is my second favorite because it's also Luke's weapon. I think lightsabers have something to do with who wields them because they're awesome tools. The coolest, unique part about them, the hilts, usually covered up by hands, but it's the character that uses them and what they go through and what they do with said tool. That's why I think I like, that's why I like certain lightsabers over other lightsabers. So it's just a Luke Skywalker thing. And that's, that's something to be proud of. I love Luke. He was, he is still around, but he's now in CGI format. Oh, Jesus. Um, I didn't know that, Breadman Productions. I saw that Matt Reeves, the Batman, is going to be two hours, 55 minutes long. Uh, I respect wanting to make a great Batman movie that lives up to what the Dark Knight did. I don't expect to get that with the Batman, but I will give it a fair shake. But you like the honesty I give, all the takes. I haven't seen anything visually that I like from this movie. Now, I can judge what I'm talking about. Batman looks like shit in this film. I do not like his suit. I do not like his cowl. I do not like anything. Head to toe, I don't think that Batman is designed well. DC, with this film, is trying to reverse engineer and basically make a lo-fi Batman movie to the point where it's not even Batman. He starts out as a billionaire. We want to watch Spider-Man take his L's. We want to see him dust himself off with the suits and this and that. Like we want to see Spider-Man become a man. He doesn't have the financial resources that Batman does. All of these creative choices, these design choices in the movie, as well as of the movie are that choices. I don't like his Batmobile. Okay. Well, it's his first year. It's his second year. That argument doesn't hold water anymore because Christian Bale's Batman was the origin. We watched him before Batman, become Batman, and then retire and die as Batman. There was no point in Batman's career where he doesn't have the money to get all the gadgets and the tech. There's no point in time where he can't have the best of everything. Like, remember that scene that begins when they break his cow and he goes, well, I guess the next 10,000 will have to be better. Like, he's got that kind of pull, that kind of money. It's Batman. He's rich. It's like if you made an Iron Man movie and he had a student loan debt. Like, what the fuck is that? That is not Iron Man. And this is not Batman in that regard. I don't like that. That's just one complaint. Catwoman looks stupid too. Zoe Kravitz is a fine actress, but that haircut, that suit, that shit's got to go. Her her lo-fi motorcycle, whatever. This is a superhero movie. And don't even get me started on the Riddler. The motherfucker wears a trash bag over his head and a green army jacket from a surplus store. I got the same coat. I can be the Riddler. It's not cool. It's somehow less cool than Jim Carrey in nut-hugging green spandex. You've gone that far back that I'd rather watch him with a flat top and makeup on than I'd rather watch Paul Dano probably do a great job. Comic book movies, superhero movies, you have to have good designs. It's not too much to ask to get it right because it's source material. The Halo show looks just like the Halo game. I haven't watched anything because it's not out yet. I have the same access as you on that show, but it looks like Halo. I firmly believe that's where the Power Rangers movie died in 2017 by not looking like the Power Rangers. They went for a weird amalgamation of Iron Man mixed with other superheroes. They didn't get it right. If these, anytime they get the designs right in these bigger properties, there's nice rewards. Deadpool, he looks like he walked off of a comic book page. The two of, two of the highest grossing R-rated films ever 
are the Deadpool films because they stayed to the source material and they made it look like it. I'm a firm believer that if you make these things look more like what they're supposed to look like, people will continue to show up because they're emotionally invested in that image. An image invokes so much emotion, more than words, more than actions. There's stuff that you see in your brain relates so many different things to it. It becomes basically the image someone creates there then becomes your image. What I mean is like Mother Wolfbusters cover. I know what it means. I know what it represents. I know what the story is. But you look at it and you have a million different things that you think it is. So when you back it and you pick it up, you'll probably have some of those thoughts that you had based on, you know, when you had it originally. And so these when these things look right, I'm just ready to go in happy. Like with Spider-Man, the part that I cheered at the second most in the movie was probably when he got his new suit. Because I remember, I mean, we've all seen the movie at this point, the montage of him walking in the apartment. But when they showed the sewing machine, I went, finally. And like my eyes lit up and I perked up a little and I started to lean up in my chair because I'm like, this is it. This is Spider-Man. This is what he looks like. Now, if this was a book, like a novel, I wouldn't get this deep into the minutia. But these are things based off of visual art, comic books, movies, like comic books, anime, manga, like all this stuff that gets adapted. It is just as important to get it to look like the thing it's supposed to look like as it's supposed to be good. Like you don't get one or the other. You have to have both. But if it's like Thor, Thor looked like Thor, hammer and all. Guardians of the Galaxy had a raccoon, all that shit, and we bought into it. But Batman is so embarrassed of what it wants, what it is, a big guy in a gray suit and spandex. Like, you can like Ben Affleck, you can hate Ben Affleck, you can hate the Snyder Cut, you can love it, whatever. But he looked like Batman. Ben Affleck was a good Batman. For as little and shitty as those movies were and what time you got with him, I liked what that was. That was Batman enough that I went, I will follow you into the next adventure and so on, because that's Batman. This, I don't care if it's Robert Pattinson and he's young. I can watch a young Batman. But a lo-fi Batman with, you know, stupid armor plating and combat pants and cargo pants and shit on like what are you dude i don't need spandex rubber or i don't need spandex and rubber and nipples on a suit but christian bale they they figured out how to make batman realistic like enough you're never gonna buy in one-to-one -one that this can actually happen you're not supposed to it kills the story it kills everything but there is a line of realism that we all like and respect uh was it verisimilitude was what which dick donner called for uh, Christopher Nolan took it to the next level, almost made it boring at times, but found the medium of how to get it to work visually. I don't, in a post-Avengers world, in a post-Guardians world, in a post-MCU world, a lo-fi Batman just will stick out in a bad way. Also, the fact that we're going to have a Flash movie at the end of the year with Michael Keaton return as Batman, and the emotions are already high from Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, being spider-man again like this movie will make money it'll be successful it'll be fine like it's batman has have they made a failing batman movie yet but i don't expect this one to be a billion dollar grocer oh but the pandemic changed the box office did it spider-man's in the top 10 of all time like no more excuses no more bullshit studios it's now time to be called out on your shit incessantly it's that's it Oh, uh, literally half of the Riddler is his ridiculous costume. The other half, other half is his rid riddles. Excuse me. Um, now I kind of want to watch Batman forever, but you know, I won't. So guys, we have reached 
I think a nice two hour window. I have some stuff I have to do for the channel and, uh, you know, get moving forward, but I want to thank everyone. We got uh, a couple new backers this morning. We got 103 now. So we're getting close. We have now unlocked the first woke busters magnet, which will be woke buster Jeff. And then we have stay woke, trigly puff, ma'am, and all the guys and stuff like that. So, be on the lookout for more. We're going to keep updating this all the time. I'm going to be doing videos. I actually have a how to, not how to draw, but I have a video of me drawing this cover. I have Procreate now, and there's a whole video of it. So I'll be uploading that. I'll even narrate it, and then I'll let it fade into the color and stuff like that. So we have um, that to look forward to. I'm also, I want to put together a little G4 video to basically put the nail in the coffin on the topic, for us at least, until there's more. Because this really... There are very few topics that I'm this passionate about this quickly. Like you have to, you know, the, the Captain Marvel story, that's one of them. You know, I was like, what's this bitch saying? All right, no. But this stuff too, it's, you know, I was there for G4. I was a G4 kid. I watched it till it died. I, I'm just as qualified to talk about the spirit of G4 as those new people that work there. I would do a better job. I have the same qualifications. I just did it my own self. This channel is my fucking resume to them. And it's a longer resume. We're at nearly a thousand videos, hundreds of episodes of shows. We clearly know what we're doing on this stuff. But, you know, I'm glad that lady's a League of Legends caster and all that stuff. But G4, you guys made a bad casting call for your channel, for your show. And I guess people are leaving in numbers now. So, We'll see how far G4 can go, how far it falls, where it goes next. Personally, I don't care. I was going to watch it. If you go back and listen to some of the episodes, I was really amped up. I wanted those old shows to come back. I remember waking up, you know, God, mid-grade school at somebody's house and uh, on a weekend and going out and watching G4 for hours. They had that one show that was just the cutscenes from video games. Or they had the one show that was um, Arena. Arena was fun. Like, just... There really weren't too many bad G4 shows. It was about video games, and video games were awesome at one point. Nowadays, video games aren't as awesome. The same type of people that make G4 shitty have made shitty video games. Let me, let me pull that back. The same people that make G4 shitty are the same people that make video game journalism shitty, and I'm sure that's responsible for shitty games too. So it's all one big clusterfuck. Um, I feel like I have to put her in Cesario Japan, even in a small little joke. Uh, Sigil Stone, I think this is a great way to uh, end the conversation for today because I like Cinematech. That's the fucking show I'm trying to say. That's it. And she, she was good too. Gamer uh, 62589, thank you. Cinematech, that's the one. Um, that was the name of it, the fucking cutscene show. But um, what up, Canadian Collector? How you doing this morning? But yeah, Batman Forever. I don't think Batman Forever blows. Batman Forever, I'll go with uh, AJ Journeyman. Batman Forever is underrated. I prefer 89. That is my favorite Batman movie. It just, it checks all the boxes. It hangs, hangs all the bells. It makes me happy. Forever is not really a, I can't call it a bad film. Every bitching complaint I would have about it really stems, it's just Batman and Robin is what I hate. Like, I think that's most people's complaints. Batman and Robin is shit. It's dumb. It's campy. It's over the top campy. It's poorly acted. It's got terrible puns. It's everything that's shit. Batman Forever is an oddly dark movie. With uh, It's about the human psyche. And the studio edited it down more. But in its initial cut, which there's tons of like pictures and footage of, like it's a darker movie. It's a, a more 
introspective Batman movie. It's about him, his psyche becoming Batman. And if you watch it and compare that to the Riddler, it's an interesting, they're, they're parallels in that movie. The Riddler has to be an over the top. I think the Riddler's gay in that movie. Honestly, hear me out for a second. He wears makeup and all this other stuff. And it's about identity. I bet you that's Joel Schumacher shit. Like that's the Joel Schumacher imprint on the Riddler. Like some of that design stuff, but I digress. Going back though, Batman and the Riddler are very much, um, here we go. The coin of Two-Face has the good side and the bad side. And Batman and the Riddler are the opposite sides of the same coin. You can't say deep shit like that about Batman and Robin. You cannot actually then take what I said about that movie and then break down the, the psyche. Like in that movie, his name isn't Two-Face. It's actually Harvey Two-Face and Harvey whatever. Like in the credits, read it like that. His name is Harvey Two-Face, not Two-Face. So like that the whole duality, the movie is about duality. The Batman Forever is just a story of duality. And Two-Face is the literal duality. And Batman and the Riddler are the metaphorical duality because they're both geniuses with competing then competing tech companies and a product and this and that but batman is the altruistic whatever version of that and the riddler is the greedy whatever you want to call a crazy version of that and so the fact that i can have this last couple of minutes to talk about batman forever like that that alone makes batman forever stand up over batman and robin i would rather watch it over batman returns and i'd rather watch it than uh the Batman or Batman Dark Knight Rises, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't really like that movie that much. Whatever. But I do like Batman Forever, and I always have. Batman Forever is the only movie that I skipped my favorite holiday celebrating to watch. Christmas, or sorry, Halloween 1995. Didn't go out trick-or-treating that year. I said, hey, I want to stand and watch Batman twice. And I did, and I got to stay up late and watch it again. I liked it that much as a kid, so yeah. there we go. Batman Forever. So, um, I love Michael Keaton as Batman as well. Oh, I enjoy all that stuff. So, yeah, bro, Riddler going to his, uh, Two-Face straight, going to his house. That's gangster shit. I love that scene. Trick or treat. <laughs> Trick. Oh, my God. This has been fun. I definitely will do more Good Morning Pop Culture. You guys have been wonderful this morning. I want to thank each and every one of you. Obviously, Dion, thank you for joining me, buddy. But uh, Dr. Coffnails, you're an excellent mod. Breadman Productions, thank you for joining. And all of our regular listeners and our new listeners, welcome into the channel. 2022 is the year we go way beyond what we have planned. Um, this is it. This is the one. We got all hands on deck. Got a lot of cool stuff behind the scenes. Had a really nice phone call with, um, I won't call him our backer, but um, we have a guy who helps us out. And so we had a nice talk with him and stuff like that. So we're on the right path for a couple really big things this year. So make sure you guys are subscribed, bell notifications, all that fun stuff. But watch the content. Join us on the live streams. Go back, Wokebusters. Let's have 2022 be a hell of a year for all of us here. So let's see. Did I forget anything in the chat? I saw Cesario Japan uh, with a dot, dot, dot. Let me make sure I didn't forget anybody. Now, folks, make sure you guys are signed up. Uh, you join the Good Morning Pop Culture channel. Uh, there's only a couple of... Um, things on it god the last episode that we put on the good morning pop culture channel was episode 233 uh, of wcbs but yeah we have that and you can check out some of my other comic work from the survivors there's a great interview with oz over there so let me just check for dr um for cesario japan to make sure i didn't forget something 
and then we will put this baby to bed because this has been, like I said, a lot of fun. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me this morning. And uh, let's see, where do we go? Not that button. Sorry, folks. They they change YouTube. They don't change YouTube. You know, they're on the island. They're off the island. Blah blah blah. Okay, so let's make sure I didn't forget anything. Uh, let's see. I talked to Adam Wofford, Space Monkey, for the pain. Uh, I think we did read everything this morning. So, um, yeah, that is that is our show. Um, that is this morning's episode. So, folks, join us back. Uh, soon I'll be doing these more regularly, but I want to do these to promote Wokebuster. So I'll get some guests. We'll do some morning shows, and we will change the world of pop culture like we always do together. So in the meantime, folks, be smart, be safe, be cool, but always be excellent to each other. Now, we've never had an episode of Good Morning Pop Culture uh, with the buttons and stuff. Um, ooh, what's a good way to end it? Hmm, I don't want to end it with the RoboCop button. You know what? In honor of uh, Wokebusters, we'll end it with this. You're never going to regret this, Ray. My parents left me that house. I was born there. You're not going to lose the house. Everybody has three mortgages nowadays. But at 19%, you didn't even bargain with the guy. Ray, for your information, the interest rate alone for the first...